Old World Florida. Old World Florida. Old World Florida. Dude, I'm telling you, dude. Dr. Narco Longo came on and dropped the hammer of the guy. America's mother, daughter of Atlantis. God sent the weatherland. The devil sent the Spanish. Florida is Eden, the phantom of Eden. Kali is deception. So Florida is the truth. Welcome to Florida, baby. muted what's up y'all hope everyone's having a good night got a familiar face back with us tonight um we're gonna be talking about uh puerto rico and we've got a specimen right here don't we <laughs> so what's up Juan? what's up bro let me take a deep breath yeah everybody uh, right this is a hurricane watch party everyone in north florida hopefully you're staying safe right so Keep those people in, in our prayers. But yeah, what's up, dude? Not a mi enchilada. Just hanging. You're looking refreshed today. Am I going to tell the people what you did? Sure, yeah. I um, went to a electrotherapy museum with the Black Airbender, the bomb from Miami. And some crazy shit. Some crazy, crazy stuff. There was um, Tesla tech, to put it plainly, a shit ton of Tesla tech, like actual and stuff that wasn't made by Tesla, but just, um, you know, medical devices, surgical devices, um, glowing tubes, like precursors to neon, like neon, but then a, a ton of different gases and vials and you'd shine a light and they'd all shine a different color or it'd bring the electricity close and we'd touch the thing and our hair stood up and some real deal stuff not not like your uh carnival or science fair um electric experiment this was legit i'd, I'd be worried if i was this guy it's like uh, <laughs> it's the real deal yeah we know what happens to all those people who have the the Tesla tech, right? They get the Tesla treatment is what they get. That's cool. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he, sorry. No, go ahead. 
I was going to say he actually is is kind of critical of Tesla, the guy who who runs it, Jeff. But um, he's very has a, a very intimate knowledge of of Tesla's life and stuff like that. So he's he's met lots of his family and has made has received direct patents and things that have touched Tesla's hands. He has many what? of them instruments and yeah so it'll all be in a video we, we filmed some really cool stuff today that's crazy but, bro that's the guy you had on the other day right no that's devon we um who was with me because he's doing that like today modern uh modern equipment modern modalities and innovations you know music and there's a violin player and but his he was doing electropuncture. I don't mm. know if that's what he calls it, but acupuncture points. Mm. And then the actu- acupuncture points had um, electric arcs, like plasma guns, shooting direct sparks into the needle. And it works. I know people who've done filmed, it. Yeah, I filmed all this shit. It's uh, it's crazy. We're going to... You'll all see it soon. Awesome, awesome. So... Where do you where do you want to start with this, bro? Because I know you invited you 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 stumbled across some very important information, and you you immediately hit me up, and mm-hmm. I, don't know, I think I debunked it, but I guess we'll we'll leave that up to the people. But mm-hmm. let me pull up my screen here real quick. Didn't you have a video you wanted to play? Not to no, not to start off All or right. anything, but I've I've got some videos, yeah. So, obviously, according to the title, we're going to be talking about Puerto Rico. I was born in Puerto Rico by I'm on Puerto Rico. It's like north centralish kind of. And this is the layout of the Taino people. And again, this is according to Rouse, which is an interesting character. But they break it up into different sections. You have the Western Taino, you have the classic Taino, then you have the mm-hmm. Eastern and Island Carib here in the Lesser Antilles. So, again, this is according to him. We have the Bahamas. And let me go here. So this is the like the OG guy that has written about the Tainos and this book for those that want to dig deeper because obviously we're going to just we're going to try and dig as deep as we can today but we're going to be scratching the surface obviously it's it's a whole mm-hmm. it's a whole culture it's a whole peoples and so for, for people who want to dig deeper this is on archive.org i believe irving rouse the tainos rise and decline of the people who greeted columbus now what's interesting about this benjamin irving rouse guy was that he was american archaeologist at yale right He's best, and it's something about Yale and the discovery of these places. And the one that comes to mind first, because the episode I released this week was uh, to do with Skull and Bones, was Machu Picchu, where supposedly one of the guys uh, from Yale, I think he was a Skull and Bones member, also discovered Machu Picchu. And then there was a whole controversy that they were taking artifacts and all these different things. But again, this guy is best known for his work in the Greater and Lesser Antilles of the Caribbean, especially in Haiti. He conducted field work in Florida and Venezuela, and he made major contributions to the development of archaeological theory with a special emphasis on 
taxonomy. And, and at first when I saw that, I thought it said taxidermy. So I was like, oh, skull and bones, right? And then I put here, I wonder if skull and bones was just practicing a form of taxidermy or just mm-hmm. necromancy, right? So his son, right, just happened to be on the, he worked for Barack Obama. I'm sure that's just a coincidence, but speaking of lizard people, I'm going to give the people what they want now, narco. Okay. And, and you know what, oh, please, yeah. you know what they're here for? Cause last time you and I got together, I talked about the squallies of the Florida Everglades and there was some viral, there was some viral posts after, after we had gotten off about pig people. So speaking mm-hmm. of reptilians, we're going to, we're, I'm going to start cooking with gas right off the bat. We're going to talk about the chupacabra, right? Speaking of government reptilian experiments gone wrong, who knows, right? This is 1995 Madeline Tolentino, I think was the original lady and the chupacabra, right? It's this, this, <laughs> I, I watched it as a kid. Give me one second. I watched it as a kid evolve. It went from this reptilian type of thing, alien with spikes down its back to this dog with mange, apparently, right? Because when it first popped off, I was hearing stories as a kid about this thing, bro, reaching into people's houses, trying to grab mm. their arms. I was listening to stories. My dad would tell me about his friends staying up late at night on their ranch to to take care of whatever was killing off their livestock. And supposedly it's been debunked, but right, goat sucker, chupa cabra. So you have chupa sucks, cabras, goats. And allegedly when it attacks, it leaves two puncture wounds and it supposedly sucks the blood dry of its prey, I guess. And the initial Mm -hmm. sightings occurred in Puerto Rico in 1995. And then the creature has been seen as far as Maine, Chile, and then it just, you have even Russia and the Philippines here and sightings in in Northern Mexico and the Southern United States have been verified as canines or can canids afflicted by mage. So it's just a dog guys, nothing to worry about. And I remember when I saw that, I was like, Hmm, I don't know. Something's fishy with that. So a Puerto Rican comedian and entrepreneur, silver, silverio, silverio, Perez, he was the one that coined the chupacabra. And that's the guy that I told you was Jewish. So from the, I, I think he has some Jewish origin. So I don't know if, if that's true or not. But in 1975, there was a series of livestock killings in the small town of Mocha, Puerto Rico. And they attributed to El Vampiro de Mocha. So the vampire of Mocha. And I didn't even know this when I first started looking into it, that they were supposedly committed by a satanic cult that was because the whole cattle mutilation what? thing that whole phenomenon is very bizarre right the whole the cattle being mutilated the animals don't touch it afterwards and i know you did your video on aliens being fake and gay but something's up bro where they're, where they're doing mm-hmm. something with this crop circles are a really weird phenomenon too so there's just like it's full of of strangeness and so they blamed it on a satanic cult in the area. And then more killings were reported later, later on around the island. Many farm animals were losing their lives. And each animal was reported to have had its body bled dry through a series of small circular incisions. 
and the first reported attack eventually attributed to the actual chupacabra occurred in March 1995. Eight sheep were discovered dead in Puerto Rico, each with three puncture wounds in the chest area and reportedly completely drained of blood. And a few months later, you had the Madeline Tolentino, who had seen it in the town of Canovanas, where as many as 150 farm animals and pets were reportedly killed. Now, I invited this guy to go on, to come on the show. Where's his name? So Benjamin Radford. He's written about the the Chupacabra. I forgot the name of the book. It's like Revealing Chupacabra or something like that. And the description that she gave was based off of the species movie, the Sill character, that alien that she had just seen that same week. So it quotes, it was a creature that looked like the Chupacabra with spines on its back and all. The resemblance to the Chupacabra was really impressive, Tolentino reported. And then you have this Benjamin Radford guy that he believed that the creatures and events she saw in species were happening, that she believed, the lady Tolentino, were happening in reality in Puerto Rico at the time. And therefore mm. concludes that the most important Chupacabra description cannot be trusted. Almost like some cinema, cinemagic that's going on that was that she was, you know, getting worked at. And it kind of did it bleed it into our reality? Did, did it manifest it into our reality? Because then it popped off. But then it morphed again after the fact. So who knows? So do you have anything to, to add on that before we move on to the... We can get this out of the way. It's my favorite part. Yeah. Well, um, you know, Juan, would you like to go into the uh, connection between Judaism and the <laughs> Chupacabra myth that, that, we were, that you were telling me all about? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. I, I thought you were going to tell us about that. No, I don't. I don't know. I know. <laughs> I don't know about that. You're the, the esotericist when it comes to that. doesn't have to do with blood libel and all that stuff, but I didn't make the connection until you said something about it. So, um, well, it's interesting that mosquitoes, bloodsuckers are that, term unofficially comes from i'm telling you it comes from mosque muska right or um musulman like uh you know muslims to, it's derogatory and then you have uh you know jews in latin america were known as chuetas chu with a c-h-u chueta so chu meaning jew in latin america it's kind of hard to ignore um, whether this is your cup of tea or not, whether you, um, it's a message of, you know, uh, anti this or not, I think there's an undeniable connection between some of the myths and some of the, uh, like you said, libel or, or um, just you know, weird, negative weird iconography, bro, to, to, to give this this creature, I mean, you you bring up a good point because I, I I know how you feel about the aliens and all that stuff and what you talk about, but what did this lady see? Did they see something? Was it again? Was it a a satanic cult, or was it something else that was going on? Because again, the guy of let me let me let me confirm that the guy is of. Jewish origins. All right. Keyboard. Hey, Juan, what do you have to say to this? To Pancho. Chupacabras is our Mexican cryptid. 
Find your own Mexican fairy tales. <laughs> well, it seems that the chupacabra is 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 it not what you were saying that it it has its origin in Puerto Rico, or is it are there similar myths already present? It's it's a Latin American type of thing, but if I recall correctly, yeah. it started in Puerto Rico. So tell Zaza mm-hmm. Zaza demon to to go away. Zaza. Yeah, that's Zaza. I don't know who that is. <laughs> let's see here so the Perez are Shephardi Jewish and you and you is seem and you sim origin that's an interesting thing to put here about this guy let me see if I can share this can you see this there you go. yeah right here so the nice. Perez is the oldest of 11 children Sarah Perez Rosado Victorina Figueroa Amador the Perez are this thing I've never heard about this so Sephardic Jewish hmm. oh. again just <laughs> just something just something to point on I'm just saying I'm just saying okay something to keep in mind as we we're talking about the chupacabra legend of the and we'll get into this later because Puerto Rico I couldn't find this book but there was this book that calls El Yunque a portal to other dimensions and whenever interdimensionalism mm-hmm. gets brought up it makes my nipples hard I don't know about your nipples I know that your nipples got shocked today Longo but mine mm-hmm. just really perk up whenever I hear inter- interdimensionalism and and the idea of portals which which we can get into later but we have here again, I'm going to lay this down. We're going to be focusing obviously on Puerto Rico. Now, some of the lure that we're going to talk about is going to interlap and overlay because the Taino, again, they're a whole people, right? The Taino are not just strictly to Puerto Rico. The classic Taino is to Puerto Rico and Española, DR, you know, Santo Domingo. So I'm going to be mostly focusing on Puerto Rico, but some of the things I'm going to talk about that I'm going to bring up are going to tie into some other uh, sex, I guess, or, or sections of the Taino people. So just keep that in mind. So the Tainos, right, uh, meaning good or prudent. Now there's a there's a debate as to where this word even came from. If it was the people referring to themselves as Taino, or if it was the conquistadors referring to the people, the indigenous, the Indians as Taino. Because according to Columbus, they were very good people. They were very polite they they always had a smile on their faces right so they call taino mean good and then you have ni taino or ni taino form of which taino derived referred to an elite social class but not an ethnic group so the tainos were the indigenous mm-hmm. people of the caribbean inhabitants of the of what is now cuba dominican republic jamaica haiti puerto rico bahamas and the northern lesser antilles they lived in societies ruled by caciques and i forgot to bring up this Cacique, because I found this interesting, bro. And I want to see if you can tell me what you think about this. So let me see here. Well, you know, I know everyone's going to have their own origin for Cacique, but you cannot deny that around the world you have um, Kaiser, Caesar, Kasi, Cacique, right? Hard hard to ignore. Mm-hmm. Cacique, Kasi. Kaiser, Caesar, Sar with a C Z A R. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, 
where'd Tupac get his name from? Because this guy is Tupac Amaru the second and and Indian mm-hmm. Cacique yeah. from seventeen. Did he get his name from from this? I don't know, but have you ever seen that meme of um I'm sure I mean any probably most uh people in like the Aboriginal community will will certainly say that uh he has the same lineage going back and the same type of names, whether it's Mexican heritage or just, uh, you know, mm-hmm. black Aboriginal American. Um, they show there's a picture of him with a medallion or a chain. They are very similar to what, to what the other guy is wearing. Uh, Amaru. So. See if I can find it here. Yeah, I found it, I think. So you talking about this, this thing here? Yeah, I think so. Oh yeah, Tupac Omaru, Tupac Shakur, Shakur. So yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Hey, again, I found it. I didn't know. I did find that interesting when I stumbled across that while looking up the Casicas. And so you have the matrilineal system of kinship inheritance, and and that's interesting because. The Tamukua were also matrilineal, so the woman controlled of, of, of the 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 line pretty much. And the idea right. of sacrificing your firstborn child, the male, is actually incorrect when it would come to the Tamukua because they would, if anything, they would sacrifice the firstborn daughter because she would determine. They literally, depending on who would die and pass on in their lineage would shift the relationship of the family itself like quite literally would shift so if you were a brother now you know you and i are brothers if the the depending on who died in the in the family it would shift that we we would no longer be brothers right so when somebody would die the mother would become almost like this ancestor so outside of the family so that's why you hear about like the you know hooking up with the mom and stuff like that because they would stop being their family, like their blood family, they would move on to like this different layer, mm. uh, you know, on a, on a, and almost like an, on another dimension because they would, you know, be like an ancestor to them. It's, it's weird again, but I found that interesting because they're also matrilineal of kinship and inheritance. Now, many Puerto Ricans and Cubans and Dominicans have dino mitochondrial DNA, showing that they are descendants through the direct female line. Now. Mm. I have the figures here pulling up uh, on the next slide. Uh, classified as belonging to the Arawak, and they're referred to as the Island Arawaks. Now, I know you're going to get into that here in a bit because it gets it gets hairy, right? And then Rouse, the guy we talked about at the beginning, classifies all inhabitants of the Greater Antilles as Taino. And I put this here at the bottom because I'm still learning about the mainstream classifications of people. And if I'm not mistaken, this is how it's it, it, the order it goes in. So you have the Casimiroid, the Orto, or Ortoiroid, Saladoid, and then the Taino. So you have the pre-Columbian, uh, the, you know, the first wave of people, the second wave, et cetera, et cetera. And the Taino are this this Colombian era, I guess, because again, there's the debate as to who started even calling them Taino. Did they refer to themselves as that, or were they being labeled? as such by the conquistadors and i mean obviously we can get into that later so 
a large portion of the current populations have Taino ancestry. 61% of Puerto Ricans, up to 30% Dominicans, and 33% of Cubans have mitochondrial DNA. Now, mm. the kicker is that it's right 61% mitochondrial, and I saw, again, 0 to 1% Y chromosome, which is the paternal ancestry. So on the father's side, it's 0 to 1%. So that one's a lot lesser. Now, that's not indicative that they that they aren't Taino. Again, it's just, uh, you know, you have the pure bread versus non. Again, I was always, uh, I always grew up being told that it was a mixture of Spaniard, indigenous, and African-American, right? Because of mm -hmm. the slaves that came over. And then I told you on the, when we were on the phone the other day about how there's towns in Puerto Rico and I have friends from Puerto Rico who are black. I mean, they look black, but they're Puerto Rican. And a lot of the, the one place that they that they talk about being the first African-American hub, I guess, is Loisa, which is they have a lot of dark skinned people from that town. So, again, that's that's what I grew up with. And they teach everybody in Puerto Rico that the indigenous people were wiped out, that they were all killed to extinction. Like they were wiped out. And why do they come up with that? Well, they came up with that ideology because when they were communicating, right? Uh, the, the conquistadors, when they were communicating with the motherland, they were writing back and forth. And they're like, they're asking them like, yo, how many, how many Indians are there? They're like, yeah, there's none of them. Well, there's none of them because a lot of them escaped. They were being, they were being tortured. They were slaves. They were being forced to mine for gold. And a lot of them would rebel and they would go into the mountains and they would disappear into the mountains and live in the mountains. So the conquistadors aren't going to go right there in San Juan, right? The main hub, the city, they're not going to go and search for all the, the every nook and cranny in the mountains of Puerto Rico to check if all the Indians have actually been wiped out. So mm -hmm. therefore, they were extinct. They were driven to extinction based on the correspondences that they were that they were having. So, in actuality, in writing, yes, they were all killed off. But were they truly killed off? Right? There's that debate there that they could have obviously been in hiding, and they could have just, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Well, what they say is that what I from what I've read is they only ever had 300 left. Is what they said is that, and even that is just so unbelievable those 300 would can would constitute most of the what the 3 million that live there today or 2 million how many people live at Th 3 puerto rico? in puerto rico right now 3 million I, I think it is right so if most of those people have have native ancestry and there's only 300 to start <laughs> off with allegedly to what we're told you know a, after a, a killing off mm -hmm. how did those 300 road to still be the majority still look different puerto ricans have a unique look mm -hmm. you know they don't look like Haitians. they don't look like haitians they don't look like hondurans they don't look like um cubans and so you can't just chalk their genetic you know uh, a lot of uh you can't just chalk it up to um a mix of black and white yeah you know and then just those only little 300 natives left so, uh... and I, and I saw various figures when when looking this up. Obviously, because again, they're not going to have a hundred percent accuracy. I saw 
3,000. I saw 300,000. I saw 1 million. So again, the numbers vary. But at the end of it all, they were like, there's none. It's zero. Let's wrap this up and, and head out. You know what I mean? But, you know, I agree with you. I don't think that they were all wiped out. And the the ones that did escape because they were bro, they were they were even driven to to suicide because of how bad the situation was that they were being forced to work. They were tortured again. And a lot of them were just killed off. So uh-huh. just interesting that, that that they teach us that. No, no, no. They were all they're extinct. OK, so yeah. Puerto Rico, La Isla del Encanto. So the island of enchantment. Right. And, and the original name was Borinquen. Uh, which is Borinquen. It's the indigenous Taino name, which, again, it supposedly means the land of the valiant lord. Puerto Rico means rich port. Boricua, or I've never used this one, Borincano, used to identify somebody of Puerto Rican heritage. And Columbus, right, named the island San Juan Batista in honor of none other than uh, St. John the Baptist, right, out of all, out of all the... The saints he could have picked, he picked St. John. So eventually, the entire island was named Puerto Rico, and San Juan became the capital, was the main trading and shipping port hub, and it was acquired as a U.S. Commonwealth in 1898 after the Spanish-American War. And the name was changed to Puerto Rico in 1898 after the uh, United States, after the Treaty of Paris of 1898. So... Now, this is the... I'm going to go ahead and mute you while you brush your teeth there. No, keep up with that shit. <laughs> so we have the... One of the things I really enjoy doing when I'm researching really anything, especially if it's a people's or religion or cosmology, I like to look into the story of creation. And I really enjoyed the story of creation of the Taino people. I had never looked into it before because, again, I was born and, and raised Pentecostal Christian, which is also a Puerto Rican thing. And I was never taught about, right, the anything else is considered witchcraft, demonic, uh, you know, paganism isn't really looked in, in a good light. So reading about the Taino story of creation, it's a very alchemical it's very beautiful, and there's various versions of it, again, because there's the, the Taino people are such a vast people, right, uh, cover uh, the, the Caribbean. So I'm going to cover, like, the, I guess, the main ones. And this is El Yunque. This is the peak, which is the, the throne of one of the gods, uh, the, of the sleeping giant, right, the land of the white, I forget what they call it, mm-hmm. but land of the white because of the, the clouds here. And this is, I've always seen people get tattoos of Puerto Rican symbols. And I never knew what it, what, what they signify, to be honest with you. I always see people getting this one. And I've seen like my cousin or my stepsister has this one or, or this one, one of these. But they're just, they're from petroglyphs of the Taino people. And this is some of them here. And then we're going to talk about these zemis or semis here. And right, hurricane. This is also part of the Taino cosmology, right? Because in the Caribbean, and right now we have a hurricane that's that's like about to hit Florida. So, in the beginning, there was only Atabe or Atabi who created the heavens. However, there was still a void where nothingness prevailed. 
The heavens were inactive. Good. Bro, sorry. I I I don't know if you're gonna get into this. It's the first time I'm hearing this guy, so I'm reacting, reacting with you. Atabe. Mm-hmm. Okay, number one, our, our Moorish friends are gonna have a field day with bay as a suffix. Okay, but ata, that's Adam. That's atum. All is atum. That's um. Uh, so much more, but you know, it's that's your archetypal creation. Is Aum is the sound of everything, the, the everythingness, mm-hmm. the nothingness, the universe, the Aum. Uh, that is kind of the the sludge, the primordial sludge, mm-hmm. right? Inter- internalized in, in terms of creation. T is the most masculine consonant in every language, no matter what. So T is the first creation. So that's why you get Aum. In Genesis, you get you get divine Tau or the T, right? This is God striking and, and acting. And that action is the T rune, the da, the T. That is the first creation in the indistinguishable. Um, that just goes on forever. That ta denotes the first creation and the spark. And so atom, atabe, it's very impressive parallel here. I was not expecting. So, sorry. No, no, you're good. And again, this is the story of creation that they had, they had this, this story of creation Right. This is oral tradition. This is oral history. So how would they have, right, if there was nobody there <laughs> or whatever it was before these people came again? I mean, we can get into that later, but yeah, Atabi, which is actually the feminine, but she has, she also has these different avatars too, which we'll get into. Uh, however, there was still a void where nothingness prevailed. The heavens were inactive and any action was meaningless. Earth and the other cosmic entities laid barren. Despite being dominated by darkness, Atabe herself failed to notice that this universe was incomplete. Eventually, she decided to create two new deities, Yukahu and Guakar. So we have, again, these twins, these twin deities from magic and intangible elements. Atabe now felt confident that her creation could be completed and left it in charge of her sons. Yukahu took over as a creation deity, becoming a universal architect and gathering the favor of his mother. From his dwelling in the heavens, he contemplated and woke the earth from its slumber. As part of this process, two new deities emerge from a cave, Boiniel and Maroya, controlling the sun and moon, respectively, which were tasked with illuminating the new world day and night. No longer would the earth be shrouded by darkness. Yukahu was satisfied with his work, but in a fit of jealousy, Guakar hid within the heavens, never to be seen again. So again, we have this mythology of the two brothers. Two twi- they were also immaculate, uh, immaculate conception. Uh, one of them was. There's another brother coming up here soon. So immaculate conception. We have the two brothers, almost like an Enki and Enlil type of thing. One's jealous of the other one. One, one wants to, to become friends with the people, with the humans, right? The other one doesn't. And now bored, Yukahu roamed and, and noticed four gemstones that laid in the ground. 
which he took and converted into celestial star beings who reproduce and spread throughout the universe, where they guide the deities. He followed this by creating animals, granting them dwellings, and teaching them how to live. Yukahu then had a revelation, believing that something else should complete his creation. Convinced that the new entity should be neither animal nor deity, he pondered this profoundly. Yukaho then opened a rift in the heavens from which emerged the first man whom he granted a soul and name Lokuo. And I, hopefully I'm saying these words right because, again, I, I don't. Uh, this man would roam the earth endlessly, filled by joy and thanking the deity for his creation. Finally satisfied with his creation, Yukahu left the world in the hands of humanity, feeling that balance had been reached. So, again, we have this emerging of, of a cave, the sun and the moon. And these two, and then there's there's also another version of the story where the first peoples emerge from the cave, right? But this mm -hmm. is in uh, more towards Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic area. So again, it depends on which area, because the Taino is not just Puerto Rico; it's the whole thing. But you have different versions, kind of sort of the same, but not really. This is the other version. Yaya was the elemental principle of existence, the spirit wow. giver. <laughs> so this this is one of my favorites because this one's really cool. He expelled his son Yayael, who intended to kill him. So you got this Saturnian, right? The 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 son trying to kill the father by allowing his return. He kills him and places his bones in a gourd, which would transform into fish. One day, in the absence of Yaya, the four twins, the, the quadruplets, children of Itiba. Kahubaba, the great mother who died in childbirth, led, led by Deminan Caracoral, Cara Caracol. Oh. Take the they they take so they they break into his house, right? In one of the verses, they break into his house, they take the gourd, and as they're about to grab it, the gourd falls. And then when the gourd falls, it breaks open and existence comes pouring out. And then the entire world and reality is created. Right, so you have mm. to eat the fish. The gourd falls. The water spills. The sea is born on the earth. At another moment, Deminan Caracol and his brother steal the fire again. This Promethean fire, right? The Coho Coho Ba ritual, which we're, we'll talk about later, and the Casabi from Bayaman Bayamanaco, Lord of Fire, and Bayamanaco shoots Deniman in the back. The wound grows. And then his, and then the wound is growing on his back, so he's got like this blister on his back. And apparently, in one of the versions, he spits tobacco on his back, right? He spits some tobacco on his back, and he starts to grow this wart. And the, all the brothers circle around the wart, and they cut open the wart, and a turtle comes out. <laughs> An entire yeah. turtle comes out, right? So his brothers open it, and a turtle comes out. And I think the the translation here is a little bit wonky because I did take this from a spanish encyclopedia and i translated it so it might be a little might sound a little weird but uh so to the island of haiti later called espanol the dinos conceived it as a large woman's body it was therefore a sacred space generating life on the east side was the divine snake cave and this is the one of the caves where again the first life emerged from iguana boina and it allegedly has to do with uh, i saw it broken down iguana 
right? Like like the lizard and then Boina meant something else. I, I have to look it up. Where the sun came out. Can we go back to the last slide? Yeah, stop, bro. Second. Stop me at whatever point in time because I'm just gonna gonna keep going Dude, if you don't. For sure. Which one do you um, want to go to? Yeah, yeah. Here, hang on. <clears throat> I'm trying to pull up uh, this book by many more. Yeah, basically, I want to touch on Yaya. How Yaya is. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to pull something up at the same time. Yaya is, I know, I've, you know, everyone's going to have their own take on this, but to say that Yaya is the elemental principle of existence, the spirit giver of life, spirit is breath, respirate, mm -hmm. respirate, mm -hmm. inspiration, right? So inspire, that's spirit and, or aspire is, you know, something that goes up high. So he, no, how, how, Hebrew is this name. Not only I'm gonna try and relate Yah to Yahweh, Yahya to Yahweh here in a sec, but Yahyael, that's an Old Testament name, Yahyael. And I'm I bet you could probably find Yahyael almost spelt the same in the lesser key of Solomon or something like that. It sounds, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds right out of Solom Solomonic uh, magic. So Yahyael. Why we're going to get into that is very, um, uh, very pertinent to Puerto Rico. It's not just a stretch. I'm going to show you some Hebrew stuff coming up here. But Yaya is the same as uh, Awa, Ahwa. They're just all these, these, uh, it represents not just the breath. It's more than the breath, but you can't deny that it's the inhale and the exhalation. So Yahweh, Yahweh, as much as people want to claim that for themselves or claim their own meaning and this and that, and it's all the breath. It all goes back to breath. Shout out to the Black Airbender who was breaking this down a couple days ago. Um, Yahweh and the breathing, inhale, exhalations. It's like, uh, yeah. So then Yael, you have this angelic, I-L or L at, at the end typically means a uh, biblical angel, an Abrahamic angel is interesting. I-L, Raphael, Gabriel, um, all these are angelic names. So Yah-Yah-El, the son of Yahya, who is very similar to, you know, people say, even say Ha-Ha-Hua, Ha-Ha. There's, there's all these different names for the, the everythingness, the breath of life. So Yahweh, I was going to try, and, what I was looking for was the Seminoles of Florida were doing the same thing. I mean, it, it's not unique. So, uh, all the tribes of the Americas had some form of this Abraham. I, I want to add too, Longo, some of the spellings changed too, by the way, from, from the different accounts that I saw. Some some of the spellings were different. So if if I have a certain spelling again, if people are commenting like, "Oh, so and so is the actual main deity," again, I'm taking it based off of whatever was, I'll, I'll, you know, my sources. Uh, one of them was a, a an encyclopedia, and I had to translate it. So so just keep that in mind that some of the the spellings do change. Right, and in Spanish uh, or 
you know, all the different dialects around the Caribbean, a Y can be a J, or it can be a, a, a Y, or it can be a H sometimes too. And um, they were tweaked, they tweaked it a little bit. The Seminoles were saying it, um, Ja, Ja way, Ja way. So they would chant that over and over. But it's all the same. So yeah, the the we see the right yah yah yahohe, <laughs> and we see the the stealing of the fire here, almost like a Promethean type of thing, and kara karakol, which karakol means shell too, uh, dan demenan, so it's like a, a demon sh- shell, right? Seashell. I don't know. Uh, we have here the the iguana bona, where the sun came out next to it, were. Boinayel and Maruhu, the three were considered deities of good weather and fertilizing rain. Their counterparts were the three other divinities, those of bad weather and hurricanes. And we have Guabansex, uh, Guatauba, and Cotricui. Again, I'm butchering these, but... And and these are... uh, Some of these, this one in particular is Atabe's, like, different avatar... Uh, the so she's considered the nurturing mother, and this is the unnurturing, the violent side. So again, you have this trinity: she's the 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 preserver, the creator, and the destroyer, all in one. So again, very you have the the, the trinity there. The center of the universe was Kauta Mountain, and there were two caves on it. And from the Kasiba Hagua Cave, the first humans would come out, and society would begin. And the third cave to the west was called. Koyabe and the Lord of the Dead ruled there. So you have this cave, almost Tartaria, uh, right? Uh, tar- tar- I'm not Tartaria, Tartarus, right? It's beneath low hell, Helsinki, whatever you want to call it. So again, in the cave and in the ground, underground. And this is from Ramon Payne, which was one of the first to learn the Taino language. He was also accompanying columbus and the dude was a pos so the dude was was uh he, he was a real piece of work and he's writing about their their religions and they also say that the sun and the moon emerged from a cave called the guanaboina located in the county country of a cacique named Huel, and they hold it in great esteem and have it painted in their fashion without any figures with a lot of foliage and other such things. And in the said cave, there were two zemis made from stone, small ones in the size of half an arm with their hands tied, and they seemed to be sweating. The Taino valued these zemis very highly, and when it did not rain, they say that they would go in there and visit them, and it would rain at once. And one zemi they called Boinael, and the other Marohu. So again, he's talking about their, they worship these zemis, which we're going to get into here. And they were pretty much the, the deities incarnated. And automatically when I thought about this whole, the sun and the moon coming out of a cave, again, very alchemical, right? So I, I pulled up Michael Meyer, uh, Michael Myers, Atlantean Fujins, where, where you have the sun, right? The masculine and the feminine coming out again, very, very alchemical. Uh, Juan, remember earlier you said their names were something like Boy, Boyanil, and Maro. Maropa, Maruyopa, or something like that. The song Boy, of the moon. Boy so, Nail and Maroya. 
Okay, boy Niel, that's boy. Maroya, that's somewhat of a Mary. You, you know, you can't Oof. do away with those. Yeah. Those are sun and moon, correspondingly, right? Yes, boy, respectively. Boy, Maroya, Maroya, that's essentially Maria, Mary. Um, but yeah, and boy Niel, even L is a, a masculine suffix. Yeah. So. yeah. But let's go back to that. Um, also about iguana. Iguana, meaning lizard, and this kind of center point is almost the same correlation between Yggdrasil, or the dragon or the serpent in the tree at the center of everything mm -hmm. at the North Pole. Except this one's a cave, so the snake cave. Iguana boina, so uh, yes. iguana boy, so iguana man, reptilian. Boom, we got it. Well, Yggdrasil is lizard backwards, so it's not Oof. even dragon. Yggdrasil is lizard egg backwards. <sighs> shout out to Slick Dissident, right? <laughs> yes, shout, that is him. Shout out to him. Yeah, yeah Slick is great. He always comes up with some fire. But yeah, really interesting. And an iguana, which is again a lizard found on the island, is is would would make sense, right? In the Caribbean. The iguanas are everywhere. Do you right. wanna you wanna add anything else? No, that that's it. All right, so again we have this uh, Michael Myers Atlanta Atlantean fusion, I think is how you say it. Uh the Atabe. And these are some petroglyphs in from Puerto Rico, uh, one of the most important Atabe, ancestral mother, and one of the two supreme ancestral spirits. She defines prime matter and all that is tangible or material and has several manifestations. So again, that, what I was telling you, these different avatars, nurturing maternal, spirit of love, and the violence. So you have the, the preserver, the creator, and the destroyer. Mother of storms, volcanoes, and earthquakes, and worshipped as a, a zemi, and we'll get into zemis here in a second. The embodiment of nature and ancestral spirit of, of fresh water and fertility. Female entity who represents the earth spirit and the spirit of all horizontal water, lakes, streams, and sea, and maritime mar, marine tides, which will make sense, right? Because it's an island, so there's a lot of water on islands. And this is another picture of her there they, they, i think there's a i want to say it's marvel they have a whole like puerto rican series where they they've they paint all the the taino gods as like comic book characters really cool so women prayed for her to her for safe childbirth she conceives twin sons without intercourse so again this immaculate conception the mm -hmm. yukahu and guacar also, the mother of Yael married to Yaya. Later, they kill Yael for trying to kill Yaya, the father. And I put Saturnian or Kronos feel. And then I have here. Let me see if I can pull this up. Again, mind you that there's different versions of these gods. So I found this slide, this slideshow online where it, it breaks everything down and it shows the little zemis of each of the the gods. And and when I'm thinking of Yaya, I'm thinking of like the the Sumerian fish headed men, right? You have that the that whole thing. Mm -hmm. The Zosimo the the Zosimos. The Enki and Enlil. Enki and Enlil. Uh one of them's a fish guy. Yeah. The Nomos, not the Zosimos. <laughs> the Nomos, the Nomo people of the the African tribe, the the West is it Mali? 
anyways, where they come out of the water again, these extraterrestrial beings. Uh -huh. So you have these different iterations and they add more on to this is the other guy. They add more on. But again, some of them are part of the other Taino's cosmology. So and these are all Zemis, which we're going to get into here in a second. But I just wanted to bring this up because I thought that was important. And there's a I think there's like I forgot how many there are, but there's a bunch here. And Atabi Bay is here. So the mother. And then you have this guy, which this is his full name, which I'll break down here in a second. So again, just very interesting. Here's her hurricane form. This is the, her other avatar, her hurricane form. You have this bull looking thing here, the dog spirit. So you have a dog spirit here too. And he goes into the forest. So who's the dog in Egyptian mythology? Isn't there a dog? Is it? Uh, do you know who it is? Marco, you're, you're muted, bro. Sorry. Sorry. It's Anubis. Anubis. Yes, Anubis. There you go. Yeah. So here's more pictures of her. And so we have Yukahu. And his full name is Yukahu. Bagua Maro Koti. Bagua. And, yeah, Bagua. And mm. this is what I, again, this is what, based on my research, what I found. So, Yukahu is the giver of cassava or yuca, which is the, the Taino's main source of, of food, or their main crop. And my great grandma, she's, a, she's, she just turned 90. And she, bro, these old people in Puerto Rico, and I had a grandma of mine that lived up to, she was 114, one of my grandmas. She lived to 114. Oh, yeah. She she got to the point where she she wanted to die. She's like, just take me, you know, because I'm, I'm tired of this. But she lived to 114. And my, my great-grandma on my father's side, she just turned 90. And we always ask her, like, what do you, you know, she's, her health is amazing. She She's still, right? Her mind is clear. She she can walk around. She lives in an apartment by herself, like at the uh, the bottom floor of my, my grandma's house, but still lives by herself. She's independent, right? She's good. And they would eat a lot of yuca, a lot of the 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 indigenous like roots that they have. So batata, yes. which is like potatoes and stuff like that, and they would eat that a lot. So she's like, I attribute my good health to eating, right? The the this this main crop, and maybe again. I didn't get into the the lifespans of these caciques, but who knows, right? These people were also great warriors, uh, you know, so I don't know if that has anything to do with these sometimes long lifespans of these indigenous people, right, that we've heard about. You know what I mean? So, Oh, they exist. <clears throat> they exist all right. Long-lived people in the Gulf of Mexico and mm -hmm. Caribbean, hundreds of years. Yeah, and the Tamuqua, I think I saw you post something recently where you were talking about how they live for like over a hundred years. What dude, the first time I ever talked to you, we were talking about the Tamuqua and how they live like three hundred and fifty years. It was like a year ago though. It's, it's yeah, funny. it's been a bit. Who knows? But um Bagwan. Bagua. Bagua. Right there. I know it says uh, the sea, the or sea. master of the sea, 
right? Mm-hmm. Master of the sea. Well, Bhagwan in Hindi means master or teacher or like sensei or uh, guru. Bhagwan. Interesting. Yeah. So this is this is one of their main guys. This was the creator, uh, like almost like their yeah, Yal the Bay author or whatever. And he's he's always portrayed as this triangle three point little zemi there. And mm-hmm. so we have the giver of uh, cassava or yuca, bagua the sea or master of the sea. And then Mao Rokoti implies that he was immaculately concepted. So again, we have this divine intervention, right? Masculine mm-hmm. spirit of fertility, agriculture. You mean Mary Koti, Mary the Virgin? Yeah. Maori, Maori, Mary. Come on. Masculine spirit of fertility, agriculture, peace, tranquility, and goodness. The supreme deity or Zemi along with his mother, Atabe. Also known as El Gigante Dormido or Sleeping Giant. And this is where El Yunque, the peak, is his dwelling or throne. So the, the peak of El Yunque, which is the 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 rainforest in Puerto Rico. And I was going to ask you because one of the thing, one of the interesting facts about El Yunque is that the, there's like no change in its weather all year long. Is that anything, is there, do we have any information on, right? Cause you know, you always talk about the garden of Eden. Is there any information as to the weather patterns of the garden of Eden? Is it a place where it's always the same, Right, this this yeah. paradise. Like, what are your what are your thoughts on that? So, in in the Bible, in the Old Testament, according to the Abrahamic religions, there was complete paradise. It's implied that it's subtropical because there was fruit abundant, you know, enough to subsist off of. They didn't even eat the leaves, really. It was fruit and herb bearing seed, so lots of big fruit and places where lots of herbs and things could grow year-round. They had no need for fire. They had no need for clothing. That is clearly laid out, too, because they didn't get clothing until after, and they didn't start using fire until after. So if you go outside of that, um, also, according to the Bach saga, according to oral traditions, many different ones, the whole world was paradise, tropical, like a twilight, according to some, um, you know, different accounts. But there was a more of a stability in terms of seasons. And the weather was not out to kill you. And whether this is just a concept of paradise or whether it was an actual temporal, um, you know, time and place, who knows? But even in the Jurassic period, you know, uh, the dinosaur people will tell you 60 million years ago. Oh, yeah, the whole world was was tropical with mangoes the size of footballs or basketballs. <laughs> so. I, I do have something about El Yunque. I've got a good video on it. If we're going to come back to it, I can save it for later. E- but it's, uh, so. Yeah, I think I might. I'll check here. So the so El Yunque, right? The peak dwelling throne. Taino referred to the peak as Yunque or the White Lands in reference to the thick clouds. 
and the mountain range, there's always a joke in Puerto Rico where they're like, oh, no, the Yunque is going to break up the hurricane. Nothing's going to happen here. The Yunque is always going to protect us. So they, they have like this mythological sort of connection. You have the God, right? Uh, uh, like who's the God in, in, on the top of Mount Olympus? The Greeks, right? So you have this connection of mountains and the God. And it's got to do with this Yukahu guy. And yeah, you want to touch on the Yunque stuff now? Sure. I, I just have a video about um, UFO possible. <laughs> I was going to save yeah. that for the end, bro. But if you want to, if you want to jump in, like I said, the Yunkas called the portal to other worlds, the biggest kept secret. And I mean, like I said, I've, wa I've walked through El Yunka before by myself. I wasn't abducted. But there's definitely like a uh, like an eerie feel to it. almost like again like the Everglades these these open areas of of nature and just open land. Obviously you're in, you're in a you know forest, but I've 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 walked up the Yunque by myself uh, before in the rain. So it's a, it's an interesting place. And they also said mm -hmm. I think they say that that there's there's a tower there too, bro. Let me pull it up. And I think it's called the Yukahu Tower. Dude, I'm not. It's an observatory. Yeah, so the Yukahu Tower is this tower, bro. It's an observatory. They built this tower. You can uh, climb up and have the, the views of El Yunque from the top of it. Nice. Shelia, you hear about the pyramids? The pyramids in in Puerto Rico. <laughs> okay, well, hang on. Is Yunk? I mean, Yunk could go back to um to Jupiter because Young comes from Jupiter. Ju you you goes back to Jupiter mm -hmm. it means youth youthful vigor is the Proto Indo European root of you, and you get Jupiter. Jove, uh, rejuvenate, and um, so I don't know. I'd have to dig deeper into that. I'm gonna try and pull up this video of the aliens. And they say it comes from right the word yunke meaning anvil. And the reason they talk about this because the peak has a a weird shape to it. And yunk, you can yuk, possibly meaning white land. Luquillo, which is the name of the place there. Yukiyu, another name for the spirit deity. So again, these these deities, these zemis have different names to them. And it's not just one one name. And what I love about Spanish, it's 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 phonetic. So how it how it sounds is how you how you say it. How, how it looks is how you say it, and how you say it is how you spell it. So it, it's mm -hmm. again. And mind you, the Taino didn't have a written language, so they, a lot of it was oral tradition, and also they relied on these, these symbols, these petroglyphs, essentially. And a lot of the history, similar to when whenever you put that Temuqua video out, a lot of the research I did for that was based off of these conquistadors, right, coming in and and whatever history we have of these people comes from a filtered lens comes from a the you know the the 
lens of the church. So we have to uh-huh. keep that in mind whenever we take this information. because and, and that's why we have to pay attention to the oral traditions of the people because that's unfiltered. So whatever the people are saying and whatever these, these you know, our, our grandparents are passing down to us, that's usually better a better source versus these academic books because they're they're some they're going to be biased a lot of them so just something to keep in mind mm-hmm. yeah that can continue i'm, I'm going to do my best to, to find this video so these zemis and this is where where my nipples really perked up bro because Uh-oh. yeah yeah we're gonna go there now Boink. they that they say that some of the influence that the the Taino had was again from voodoo, Vodun, from the Africans. Right? You had the slaves coming in, and a lot of the things that the the the, the Vodun or voodoo they do is a lot of invocation, evocation of these deities. Right? You, they they invoke these deities sometimes using themselves as the vessel. You see that a lot. Or putting them in at in inanimate objects such as statues, and this is what these zemis are. Zemis are uh, the ancestral spirits, gods, angels, kind of sort of right. These deities, and the Dino would invoke these deities into these figurines, and they would carry them around. So they, they again these fetishes, they were carrying them around. They would invoke these deities, and each one had their own little zemi so centered on the so the Taino spirituality centered on the worship of deities known as zemis the term was applied not only to the deities themselves but also to idols and fetishes representing them which were made from the remains of ancestors or from natural objects believed to be inhabited by powerful spirits these could be made of wood stone bone shell pottery cotton or cloth and again i'm the homunculus guy so as soon as I saw this, I was like, oh, the Puerto Ricans were the first peoples creating homunculus. Homunculus confirmed. Homunculus confirmed. Eat up okay. certified mother homunculus. So my peoples, it runs in our DNA, it runs in our blood. It is. We're making homunculi. So. The lesser, the lesser semis include the spirits of ancestors as well as the spirits to believe, uh, right? These elementals, trees, rocks, other features of the landscapes. And what no- another interesting part is that body parts, sometimes of the caciques or family members, would also be preserved as semis. So what does that make you think of? Back again to skull and bones and these secret societies that take these beliefs and they use them for themselves. Right, as a, a form of talisman to extract some sort of power from it. Uh, they would also decorate their pottery, ornaments, and other artifacts with the figures of Zemis, and they would have them painted or tattooed on their bodies. And again, this would be for the shaman class, obviously. There was a certain class of people that would be the ones that were in charge with interacting with these Zemis, invoking them, etc., etc. Now, there's a really interesting part coming up here. And this is pains, or I was going to call him pene, which is his penis in Spanish. So pains, he writes, all the majority of the people have many zemis, gods of various sorts. They are made of stone and wood. Those simple, ignorant people believe that those idols or more properly speaking demons make such things happen because they have no knowledge of our holy faith. 
course. Yes. So again, they treated the indigenous people very, very badly. It's very horrible. What the, the you can read all about it. And again, they thought anything that was against them was heretical, demonic, paganism needs to be cast out. These people needed to be saved. And a lot of the Taino people were very hesitant towards and they resisted very strongly. Some of them would even starve themselves to death because they didn't want to follow these new rules or indoctrination. I don't know. So this Cohoba stand is part of a ritual. Now, I don't know about you, bro, but I'd rather stub. This is, this is where I would stop being Taino, bro, right here. Because I would rather stub my pinky toe 50 times before I throw up or vomit. And one of the things that they would do before communing or interacting with their zemis, and they would uh, people would also collect zemis and brag about how their zemi was better than their neighbor's zemis, almost like some Pokemon. So they were just like, got to catch them all, got to collect all the zemis. So there was talks about mm -hmm. that as well. But before the owners would interact with these Emmys, they would purify themselves by fasting or by inserting a stick in their throat to cause vomiting. So they had vomit spatulas, which I have pictures of, and they would invoke. Not one. Not one. That, that's actually why Juan um, genetically does not have a gag reflex, guys. This is how <laughs> it's, that, that gene was passed down through many generations down to Juan. Illuminati confirmed. Shout out to SB Alger for that one. So, yeah, I guess, bro. I don't know. Maybe. But <laughs> so they would insert these vomiting spatulas down at the bottom of the, to purify their body from any contaminants. Again, these are <laughs> what they did. So puking sticks. And then the, the party didn't stop there because then they would take this snuff, this cohoba in front of their zemi. And, and the worshiper put the snuff made by crushing seeds of the Pitadenia tree on a platform surmounting the Zemi. So on these little platforms. And in a separate receptacle and inhaled it through a forked tube, which I have pictures of it. And it caused hallucinations through which the Zemi made known his or her will. So again, a form of divination. It goes back to the Tamukwa where they were rubbing these certain herbs on their body. And you had the shaman who would sit in this sigil, this circle that he would uh, cause on the, or put on the ground. And he would sit there and his bones would crack and he'd contort into different positions because he was being divinated to or whatever, you know, being invoked by a certain deity. So very interesting. And these are the vomit sticks or vomit spatulas. You have a very long thing. You insert it at the bottom of the, <laughs> the back of the throat. Obviously, Longo, that would have no effect on Longo at all, right? That, He's like, I'm used to this. So he put in this and he goes here. Espatula vomicas para ritual de la cojoba. So vomit, vomit spatula, which it's really interesting. I mean, uh, it's just. And then here, I had, a, I had a sensor boy's cheek. So yeah, he, he has some cheeks on him. But this is a, an illustration on these rituals that they would perform. Now, focus on the stick here, right? So you have. Both nostrils, baby. Send it. Okay, this is another one. So there's there's various interpretations and, and the ones that they would carve out. So you have the Zemi here. Why is that guy got his legs behind his head? Bro, 
Is that what you guys do in Puerto Rico? It's a party, dog. <laughs> Sounds like the box saga up in there. Yeah, it's a party. So here we have this illustration. He's got the little table there with some stuff on it. They're, they're chanting. Usually it's the shaman. And yeah, that, that was really interesting. And then we have another the Y there. I know they had some nice pipes. Oh, 100%, yeah. bro. Yeah. The Puerto Ricans, they were smoking for sure. 100%. I saw that. So here we have, again, in front of the Zemi. Go outside, purify yourself, whatever. And you interact with the deity. Hallucinating. So very, very interesting. Whoops, how'd that get in there? All right. So the, we're going to talk about talk about this because uh, I found it interesting. Okay. Now, I'm not saying Puerto Ricans came from extraterrestrials or did we? Right. Because we are the perfect specimen. We do have the perfect DNA. Have we gotten into that yet? Not yet, bro. But the, the, right. it was all done. But the AI, the AI said that the closest relative, the perfect human is Puerto Rican. Again, I'm not, that's not yeah. me. That's what the, that's what the AI said. All right, dude. Well, here, we'll do the, we'll do the disclaimer here. Okay. This next part is super interesting, but. You got to take it with a grain of salt that it's politically driven. These guys probably hate white people to some extent. Oh, dude. (laughs) You know, they they make, they make mention of the fact how if this were Irish, well, I'll let you say the specifics. Longo, it's pretty bad, bro. Like I didn't look into it until like probably 30 minutes before we jumped on. Like I was finishing up my notes. I'm like, let me take a couple more notes on this particular. And I was like, ah, yeah, it's it's pretty bad. So here, anyways, and and there's a reasoning why I put this here. Okay, this is it all makes sense here in a second. So let us stick to the legend of this stately Taino chief, Luisa. In 1972, an artist from Loisa, which is that hub of the African uh, that I told you about, had a vision in which. Loiza came to her. She, Lolita Cuevas, painted her vision in the dark at 2 a.m. Loiza spoke to her and asked her to paint her, but she said she would not return. This drawing now hangs in the city hall in Loiza. And this is by, I'd never heard of this lady before, Lolita Cuevas. And apparently she was a Puerto Rican-born singer and actress. And Mm -hmm. she did a lot of Caribbean songs, Haitian folklore, Haitian music. And she had this vision where she had this one of the one of the few women casicas, according to the legend, this this mythological casica, I guess how you would say casicas, masculine casica. So and this plays a role into the perfect DNA. But before we get there, I want to touch on La Cueva del Indio because, again, on this UFO alien talk, there's evidence at this particular cave and these petroglyphs, these carvings in particular, that point to supposedly UFO interference, alien interference in, in Puerto Rico, right? So these are some of the petroglyphs near Arecibo, Puerto Rico, which is also near the 
the observatory, which is no longer there. It got wiped out and they took it down because of Hurricane Maria. It was, and it was also in ruins, too. They didn't ever keep it up. But Arecibo also had, had at one point the largest observatory, the largest telescope in the world at one point, right, for, for a while. And so shout out to these people, Jose Masas, Masas Rivera, and they took these pictures. But these are some carvings in this cave. And the ones that people say, oh, these are aliens, is these right here because they look like little faces, which is interesting. But again, carvings from these peoples. You have to go down, and they're down here. And, and Puerto Rico is full of beautiful places. I mean, if you ever visit, bro, there's a lot of beautiful places in Puerto Rico. So, I guess the part with the perfect DNA is towards the end. Because I get into the so everyone keep keep this in mind keep this lady in mind she'll she'll come up here later yeah. but I wanted to talk about the the one of the oldest archaeological findings dated back to I, I think it's two thousand BC. Are you getting away from um, the UFO aliens? Yes. Uh, e okay. Yes. Yes. Here I've got. I've got this video queued up. Go ahead. <laughs> Again, I wanted to get weird towards the end because uh, I love I love the portal talk. For sure. This is a video, guys, I came across a couple days ago. And I haven't even really watched it. I just threw in here because, you know, um, whatever. Let's check it out. What's the title of the video, bro? Can you hear it? Can you hear the sound? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's called Puerto Rico UFO sightings may have caused El UK Park to close. I hope they talk. They're really not going to talk. <laughs> Oh, you're going to have to translate. Lights in the sky. Yeah. Government is hiding. Yeah, so he's talking about the government is hiding something that was... Uh, oh, that's the that, that guy right there in the center? So that's the yeah. OG ufologist of Puerto Rico. This is like the guy, like he found supposedly uh, these structures off the coast of Puerto Rico and like these underground bases. Like the dude's like, he's the OG ufologist. And he's talking about how there's the, <laughs> these people were seeing these lights in the sky, illuminating the sky and that they don't, that they believe that the government is occulting that UFOs and aliens have visited Puerto Rico on numerous occasions, which, again, like I said, th this is something that has gone on for a long time in Puerto Rico, and I've heard stories, again, and, and the whole chupacabra type of thing. He considers it some sort of actual entity created by, you know, whatever it is, like this crypto-terrestrial type of thing. Now, is it safe to say he's a Puerto Rican Alex Jones? I don't know if I'd say Alex Jones, but he's like the OG ufologist for sure but i wouldn't call him alex Jones. alejandro alejandro juan juanes 
Uh, all right, let's keep, let's keep going. Tell, can you tell us what he's saying? Yeah. So he's talking about how these these crafts are also picking things up like little little gray men. They're picking like little creatures up as they're flying around with like these beams that are coming down off these UFOs. They said that the ro they closed the road because it was destroyed by there were falling. Usually, you have boulders that fall from the mountains, and they were, they were saying that there was still cars coming up. So how is it possible that the road was closed? A little creature, three feet and a half. With large wings, little arms and legs. He was scared. He said that there was lights, something illuminating his entire property. He had no lights on. A light. The chat fucking the chat fucking flies when we get into alien chupacabra. The blonde, dark skinned. The chupacabra. The uh, the Puerto Rican Alex Jones people are loving it. Oh man, what the heck? All right, now we're flushing like all our credibility down the drain. Yeah, that's like some X Files stuff right there, bro, from the set of X Files. Anyways, no, but do they say what that picture was, or do they just throw that in? For they like just throw it in there for the clicks, bro. That was the thumbnail. <laughs> okay, so that was they didn't try and claim that was like an actual picture taken of it. No, no. Okay, good, good. But yeah, these are these are again these are stories I've I've had people telling me stories too, and, and it gets surrounding El Yunque, that area that attracts these UFOs, and I mean you see that in a lot of different places, you know UFOs in mountains or forests, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, that dude right. said it was a three and a half foot being with little arms and little legs, and it was being illuminated. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> And yeah, there is an undersea alien base near Puerto Rico. Yeah, I did see those that supposedly they found these structures. Because mind you, right off the coast of Puerto Rico is one of the deepest trenches that right. there is in the Atlantic. So it's it's like literally off the coast of Puerto Rico, it's already a thousand feet. And, and I mean, it's really deep. So the idea that the government and then also off the coast of, you have to keep in mind that Puerto Rico is also one of the one of the vertices, four vortices, whatever, of the Bermuda Triangle, which you and I have talked about before. The other side connects to Florida and then to Bermuda. 
But you have to keep in mind that Puerto Rico is also connected there. So maybe perhaps there's some sort of magical strangeness, mm -hmm. interdimensionalism connected to Puerto Rico because of that phenomenon. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Let's, let's finish it out. All right, that's it. The, the most played part was that part there with the alien laying on the... <laughs> yeah. Those damn Puerto Ricans and their clickbait. Dude. So, resume. All right, so we'll, we'll get to this again, this channeling of this being, this mythological being. And so, yeah, the little UFO, the... Little alien faces there, supposedly. And also, I heard that there was evidence that... Does, doesn't this look familiar to you there, bro? Haven't you talked about some sort of... That one symbol on the Apple key? Kind of looks like that, no? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, um, the looped square? Yeah. The looped square a little bit. I can't. It's hard to make out. I heard that this cave shows evidence that the Taino were in touch with the Mayans. So, again, that's just something uh, I st stumbled across. But we have this guy here, this this man. And this is one of the oldest archaeological findings. I believe it was in 1991. Now, what's interesting about this particular site, which I'm going to get to, because you asked me about megalithic structures in Puerto Rico. Now, this, again, they don't really have evidence. They're They're, they're speculating, but... El Hombre de Puerto Ferro en Vieques, Puerto Rico. This is 1991. And they also talk about here about the people arriving in Cuba, Trinidad, Dominican Republic. And about these other places in Puerto Rico that have had these archaeological findings. Now, before this particular finding, if I'm not mistaken, the oldest was, again, around the, you know, 300... AD, I, I believe it was. And this particular one was 1900 BC. So it, it, it took it and they pushed it back substantially. Now, uh, it's talking about, I always find it really interesting that these archaeologists can, can paint such a, a, a big picture on such little evidence that they find. Where we have right. uh, the, the newest one that I saw was on Netflix. It's called the Cave of Bones, I think it is. And it's one of the oldest he homo gene group, I guess. And they goes it goes back like 300,000 years or something crazy like that. And they were just illustrating the, the customs of the people, how they would bury their dead, what they would do. All this crazy stuff just from these bones that they were finding. Okay. And again, they talk about how they were connecting through... You have the Yucatan or Florida. That, that, that's how, again, we're going to get into that here later, but that's how the these people crossed over into the Puerto Rico, right? So either from the Yucatan or Florida. I've also seen some other ones like around, I think it's like Aruba area, that North South America part in the top there. And I have illustrations there. They're talking about how they would live in, in small groups of 15 to 40 people. And... There's this other site, which I didn't look up, Caño Hondo, which that one was 
1060 BC, right? That they were that they were finding. They, this this Whoa. person was 35 to 40 years old. Uh, there was they were five foot ten. Uh, so 35 to uh, pretty dang tall for 4,000 years. Yeah, ago, right? cinco pies. 2,000, 2,000, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and to the to the Spanish that the conquistadors, they would have been giants because Ponce de Leon was what five foot tall. He was a homunculus. <laughs> I mean, he was a little foot eleven. Yeah, he was so, a little guy. So this guy was cinco pies diez pulgadas, so five ten. And supposedly they found his room, which was a, a line of rocks uh, placed by hand, right? So this guy had osteoporosis in his head, Ooh. his clavicles, cabeza uh, de radio. So so his his elbow, his left elbow, osteoarthritis. Yeah. I'm sorry, not osteoporosis. So osteoporosis on his head and osteoarthritis of his. Uh, I think it's clavicle uh, vertebrae. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Nothing. You're right. His left elbow, and I'm trying I'm trying to translate it in my head as I'm talking about, it, and then in his fingers on his hand. And then they also found some other stuff with him too. They found a I think it was an axe, rama de corral, so a a piece of coral, I guess, right? This little piece of coral. Adorno corporal litico, so it was like a, I think it was like a garb made out of of stone. I believe that's what it's, what it translates to, and I have pictures of all this stuff too. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm trying to translate it. It's all in Spanish. I'm trying to translate it as I'm going, and then they're showing here where the osteoarthritis was on this person, and here we they have. Say, they say the same thing about the Florida natives is that they had um, arthritis or like mineralized joints. Interesting. What do you do? You think there's a reason for? I mean, obviously they were their diet was different. Everything was different. But do you? Is there something yeah. else to that? So they say that their teeth were really, really nice. So to me, meaning that like a lot of times when people are malnutritioned or eating shit, their teeth are just uh, garbage or um, you know rot out and don't last. But their teeth were really healthy, but they had like bone spurs and, and uh, arthritis and stuff like that. So as much as I love spring water, there's potential that they were drinking way too much spring water from Florida <laughs> aquifer, which is super high in minerals. This is what some people might say. So if they're drinking a ton of mineral water and only mineral water for their entire life from the aquifer, by the time they're 60 or 70, maybe, um, what did they say? This guy was 35, 35 to 40. Yeah. So, um, who knows? I mean, that's one thing that comes to mind other than just bad diet, you know, I mean, meat will give you arthritis too, but I don't want to make this a vegan thing, but <laughs> minerally water can, can do that. If you're over mineralized Hilton mm-hmm. Hotem must said that. So, Interesting. I love spring water, but careful where, you know, if you don't have a super hydrating and lymph moving diet and you're having a ton of spring water and you're, you're kind of have a static lifestyle, you don't move around much. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know? Yeah. That's what Hilton Otomo warns against, but 
We have our boy here too. Where's he at? Irving Rouse, in El Año, nineteen thirty-eight. Right. So he was also doing excavations in Puerto Rico too. So interesting. And these are the different illustrations in Trinidad, fifty-two fifty BC, Antigua, eleven seventy-five BC. And then we have the Vieques, nineteen ninety BC. And before that was it was three fifty. So at, I believe it was BC or AD. I'm not sure. Uh, so it was like around the, what the hell did they call it? I forgot what they called it. Anyways, and this, these are pictures of the bones that they found now. And these are, uh, I think these are con uh, pieces of concha, which is the, the shell. And I guess they were using yeah. it as a sort of tool. So again, mm -hmm. now these were other stuff that they found with him. So these stones obviously they would grab them and probably grind something up and you had these other ones they would, they would probably use to cut things with and then here's where it, get, it gets interesting because there's these boulders on the site now mm -hmm. some people say that they were placed here by these people because of the lack of boulders in the area mm -hmm. so again and uh not much glacial activity, which is usually how you get big round boulders up at the top of a <clears throat> of a hill. So it looks like a dick, bro. <laughs> so would you say that the what the boulder the the round one? So <clears throat> usually when you see like in Estonia, they get the Estonia from all the stones, mm -hmm. just like that huge giant stones left all over the place but they'll tell you that's the result of glaciers depositing oh yeah 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 so, not I in puerto rico yeah exactly not in puerto rico and i mean look they're kind of sort of lined up but again the, the 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 hypothesis is that the stones weren't just there because of the lack in the you know in the area in the vicinity and that they were actually put there by the people that they what they found so mm -hmm. Just again, because you had asked me about the yeah. megalithic structures, and I couldn't think of any other than the star forts and everything that, that we're going to get into here in a little bit. This was the Ortiz site from 1993, and I believe these were traced back to four. I think it was the. I think these were also four thousand years old. So. Modeling and human colonization, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, somewhere around here. But again, very, very old. A lot older than what they originally had. And these are actually five bodies that they found here. This is a burial that they found. The knees, I think it was one of them had the knees tucked up or something. But they were super, super degraded. Now, I think what, ha what ended up happening here was... Oh, and check this out. Look at this. You have November 22nd. You have 11... 22, 33. Let's hit the Illuminati confirmed. Illuminati confirmed. These motherfuckers in Puerto Rico are Illuminati confirmed. So, and wasn't so that day before my birthday too? Isn't that JFK's assassination? It is. It's the day before my birthday too. Oh, nice. The 23rd. There you go. So let's hit it again. Illuminati confirmed. All right. So <laughs> we have these five bodies, the Ortiz site. And I think what happened here was they stumbled across this. They were developing it and they stumbled across these bodies. And the guy that 
owned the property didn't obviously have the funds to take on such a big project. And I think they waited like 30 years or something. They recently, they, this, this paper was actually published in April, April, I think it might've been on my birthday, April, no, April 26th. So three days after my birthday it was published 2023, it was received in October 9th, 2022. And it was accepted. So again, this is a, a reconsidering the lives of the earliest Puerto Ricans, mortuary archaeology and bioarchaeology of the Ortiz site. So this is fairly, fairly recent. And they're talking about the findings that they did. Now, this is some of the theories. I asked you about this to see if you knew about it, the circum-Caribbean theory. And this is all out of the book that I showed at the beginning by your boy Irving Rouse, where he gets into, he really breaks everything down by different periods in time. And again, one of the theories is that they came up through the Yucatan or at the top here of South America. Uh, some have them coming down from Florida. I had asked you one time if you believe that Florida and the Caribbean maybe at one point were a whole landmass, perhaps some sort of, again, the sea levels might have been down because there's also that structure off the coast. I think of Cuba, there was the, the Atlantis of Cuba. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but there's some structures that are, I think, at a thousand feet or something like that. So this is Stuart Circum Caribbean theory. And this is where it starts to get interesting because we start to th think about where did these Arawakan people originate from? Well, they say that it started here and then they worked their way up through here. And then this, this stood out to you when I sent you this, the frontier in 1492, right? You have the, if there's a frontier, that means there's other people there. Obviously the, the conquistadors were pushing up against other people. You have these other, again, I'm not a, an expert in this. I'm reading the literature and I'm taking it for what it is. But again, these are theories of from the 19, this is 1986, I believe. So a lot has changed since they, remember they, they hadn't found that the Pharaoh man yet. They hadn't found the Ortiz site. This is 1986. And the problem with another problem with Puerto Rico is that we don't have a lot of information pre-Columbian era, all the information that we're getting right when they, when they colonized Puerto Rico, they didn't write about it till like the 1700s. So they didn't write about it till like later on. And a lot of the information that we have comes from these accounts of the people who colonized, but we don't have anything pre-Columbian era. So when they find these sites, it's, it's a big breakthrough because they're a lot older than what they're being told in the mainstream. This is another one. True. Yeah. Here, let's talk about um, that, that border, right? Next pick. Yeah. Um, this one. Up near Florida, what this is showing is um, advance of the Arawakan speech communities from Amazonia into the West Indies. Let, now, let me let me to... let me clarify something, Longo, real quick okay. before you get into sure. it. There's various theories as to, and again, this is not my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. This is more of your realm. This is why I wanted to do this with you because you're gonna be able to peel the layers back. There's various ideas so 
within these groups of this of this circumcrimian theory, there's two subgroups, right? Because they have such little evidence to to compare, and, and 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 their evidence is well, their pottery was the same, right? They had similar pottery, and then the other people go, well, uh, well, the pottery maybe not the pottery, but maybe the language, right? The language is similar. Some of the words are similar, so therefore, they had to have originated down here, right? By the Amazon, Amazonia section, I think is what they, yeah, Amazonia. And then they worked their way up because the languages are the same. Well, what if, again, they didn't document all the language because we're taking it based off of people who were colonizing them. So a lot of the information that we have is going to be biased. But I just want to point that out because this is the speech one. And then this is one of the, the, the pottery one. Again, that's why I put the title of the book at the beginning so people can check it out. But go ahead, bro. You're muted. Sorry. This frontier in 1492 up against Florida here. Like Juan said, they're they're using the language to show a northern spread of Arawak. Now I don't speak this, this isn't isn't my people, but from what I've read about the Tamukua, and I've shown the book enough so you guys you guys know what it is. The Tamukua history or sorry, History of the Tamuco Indians and Missions. And I've read, um, you know, um, I looked at a bunch of different firsthand accounts of Tamuco and, and stuff. So it's pretty clear that the Tamuco, I, I only found this out recently about the language part that I'm, I'm going to say is the Tamuco were different from the people in Florida south of them because they had an Arawak or Arawak descended language or related language. So the people south of them, that's the Tamukua going from just north of Tampa Bay over to Georgia, across uh, north and central Florida up into south Georgia, and maybe even parts of South Carolina. But you've got um, beneath the Tamukua, you have... Uh, the Calusa, you have Tequesta, you have a, a lot of different tribes who were not speaking Arawak related languages. So when they're showing this frontier here, kind of saying, hey, well, you know, the, the Arawak languages stop when you get to Miami across the Bahamas, it stops right there. And you get uh, Tequesta and Calusa, which there's little to nothing left of. But we know that it's not Arawak descended or as much as the Tamukua up above it. But it seems the people who made this map didn't know about how related Tamukua was to Arawak. And actually, Tamukua is not a tribe. It's, it, that is the language family or group itself in North Florida that was used by a couple different tribes and chiefdoms, natives, uh, kingdoms. But... So I think I, I think that that shows this was not just a linear northern spread. That if anything, it came from downward, or you have to explain the Arawak-speaking people north of that black line right there. So. Yeah, yeah. And again, this is 1989. So 
take that for what you will, a guy from <laughs> from Yale, right? And then there's also this proto-equatorial, proto-Arawankan, and mind you, I am new to a lot of this stuff, so I don't know what a lot of it means. I was actually looking stuff up as I was going to learn about it, but eventually, right, it, it pops up here, Taino, uh, being one of these sub uh, languages, if you will, because there's there's various ways as to where how they get to that that answer, right, as to how these people got there in the first place, which is super interesting. And then we have this is the the thing I had called you about. May this is from Christopher Columbus's diaries, I believe. May your highness believe that in the whole world there cannot be better or more gentle people than the natives. Although dwelling in houses resembling Moorish huts and exhibiting uncivilized societal characteristics, your highness should take much joy in that soon you will make them Christians and will have instructed them in a in the good customs of your realms. And that was 1847. Uh, Christopher Columbus talking about the people, the Tainos. Well, no, hang on. That's... Eight, so that's 1847 written or citing someone who wrote that in 1847 about Columbus because Columbus was late 1400s. Yeah, so let, let me let me confirm that for you. Yeah, I'll find the, the citation, but yeah, yeah, you're right because it was 1494, right, that he went to Puerto Rico, 93, 92, whatever it was. But let me, mm-hmm. where the hell did I get yeah, this? Yeah, second from? voyage, so 93. It's from a book. But anyways, he that's, did write. It's crazy. He wrote about it. He wrote about it. And, and a lot. Uh, he had, and he said other stuff too. Because it gets crazy. And I didn't really focus on the whole conquistador colonizing aspect. Because I think that we've been <laughs> going to school. That we've been hit over the head with that whole uh, Santa Maria Pinta. Whatever the whole Mayflower. Whatever the, the three ships were. You know, that whole story. We've, we've heard that a ton of times over and over again. So I didn't really want to take too much time, but I wanted to highlight here the Moorish huts, which I know that's one of your, one of your things and mm-hmm. how, yeah. and I think that they might've occulted the idea of these people being wiped out in order to occult the atrocities that they committed towards them too. Right. Because dead men tell no tales well, of all the Indian people or the indigenous people or have been wiped out, they're not ever going to tell about the atrocities that, that, that were being committed. But we have writings from Columbus's own people about how they were treating these, these indigenous population, right? So we have stories and, and documents and, and people fighting for the rights of the indigenous people too, right? So at the Bartholomew de las Casas was, was one of them where, he would write about the inhumane actions that the conquistadors were taking against the indigenous population. And he was, I think he was, that was the one that was dubbed the protector of the Indians at one point. Let me, Bartholomew de las Casas. So let me pull this guy up here. Thank you, very, thank you, Sherry, the 20 bucks. Mongo family love. Raven's break. Thanks for the five bucks. More comes from the Phoenician word Maurin, Maurin, meaning Westerner. True. 
like Mariner or more to tie the boat. So yeah, it's all the same. And here, I've got a little something before we get away from that um, Moorish yeah. hut. Do it. Um, so yeah, this is the guy I was talking about, Barth- Bartholomew de las Casas. He was the protector of the Indians and right, a destruction of of the Indies. And he, he wrote about all the things that they were doing to them. So shout out to this guy for not being a piece of shit. Mm. So are we here? I don't know if we are we gonna get back are we gonna get back into the um alien DNA thing? Like what uh a little yeah, I know we will, but I wanna read this um about the since we were just talking about language. Yeah. Something unique something unique about um the Caribbean languages or Taino. Carib is kind of a more loose, more loosely used term. This could mean anyone in the Caribbean. That's where the word Caribbean comes from. Now I've linked it to Arab. If they named it the Arabic or Caribic Sea, people would have been a little Caribbean Sea. <laughs> right? I mean, so blah, 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 blah. I'm going to show that. I'm going to substantiate that. It's not just a linguistic jump stretch. But I thought this was interesting since we were talking about women before and the language. Mm-hmm. Well, here, two forms of language. Few, if any, of their members now speak the Carib tongue, but many possess a limited knowledge of Carib. And so this is more the Dominican natives, but... I assume this would still ring true for, because as you showed, it was the same language groups all across um, the Caribbean, the Arawak group. But here, strangely enough, the Carib language had two distinct forms, one of which was confined to the use of the women, the other to the men. This state of affairs was doubtless due to the fact already mentioned that their wives were captured from, from other tribes. Hmm. Their numeral system was also rather remarkable. They were unable to count numerically about above five. The word for five was the same as for hand. Ten was two hands or half a man. Fifteen was a foot and two hands. And twenty, two hands and two feet or a man and so on. Hmm. Interesting. See, now the the six system comes from the same way, except it's a tallying system. So you tally the um, the groups. So it's one, two, three, four, or one, two, three, four, five, six, first repetition. One, two, three, four, five, uh, you, you know, so 12, right? So that's where you get some of the six counting systems. It's also using the hands, mm-hmm. except after you're done with the fingers, you tally on the other hand. Right? So this is your six, but you start off against seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. It's actually very easy to keep track of. But. And it helps when you, ha- when you have six fingers too, right? 
Hey, yeah, you got some Giants too. <laughs> Are we going to get more into the Giants, or should we work? I Giants. Yeah, work Giants in because I didn't touch on anything else. It was towards the beginning the cosmology of it, and right. the the stories of creation which have the Giants, and then right the five foot ten. How you're saying? Absolutely, that would be a a a person of high stature for the, the people who are seeing them because and they were super small. So there's that connection there. Mm-hmm. What do you got here? Um, Puerto Rican archaeology. Mm-hmm. So, you know, also, Damn. yeah, I think, I think Poncho is going to send me an email with a picture of something of a petroglyph they found in the Apple Appalachia mountains, I think. Maybe it's got to do with. Oh, really? Yeah. So send it the one on one podcast at gmail.com. Send on there on, on Telegram. I do have a Telegram. Yeah. Send me that picture if it's got to do with what, what we're showing today. So I thought I had another article, but I didn't have it. But I guess we'll just get into the Giants. Um, oh, okay. Here, here, here. Let's get into this. So this is Puerto Rico, guys. You can see that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I can't, we can't hear it though, bro. I don't think you shared. That's okay. The... All right. Here, let me try and. You have to take it off again and then share it with. Yeah, I'll, I'll okay. upload it to. Here. Also, there is a. I want to address this comment here. Somebody said. So, oh, yeah. so many damn comments. Swat the flies, man. Let's swat the flies. <laughs> no, no, so. it's not a fly, but they're talking about, oh, man. They were talking about how there's no evidence, no physical evidence of Christopher Columbus even ever, or Cristobal Columbus ever being a part of these voyages. And there's one of my favorite, favorite conspiracies is that, that Christopher Columbus was actually kind of St. Germain. And right, the immortal alchemist. There's some talks of that, and how Christopher Columbus also met with John D. And John D. was one of the greatest wizards of all time. So, again, what kind of knowledge were they sharing? If he actually did meet with Count Saint Germain, one of these ascended masters, if you will, one of these immortal alchemists, maybe he was giving some news to John D. about achieving the magnum opus or something. So, and if you think about the whole Juan Ponce de Leon, pounce of the lion very alchemical they don't know when he was born he's five foot tall giving me major homunculus vibes so right here this fausto nunez there is no physical evidence based no physical based evidence that christopher columbus existed or the voyages so i'm with you i mean i'm with you on that there's we're we're i'm telling you mainstream history what they've told us and then we we pick it apart we insert our own commentary etc etc so Take it for whatever it's it's worth. I just left the observatory. I'm kind of lost because my phone and my GPS aren't working. So I'm just driving through trying to find my way. And I just saw this random mound right here. So I stopped. There's some places in China that have pyramids that have been covered by the government with dirt and trees and grass and stuff like that so right here this looks like a freaking pyramid that's been covered up and if you scan the area there's one two three more 
mounds that clearly to me look like pyramids that have been maybe covered up maybe it's just me finding pyramids and everything because I'm into that stuff but come on this looks like a pyramid that's been covered up They're in Puerto Rico you never know what they've covered it up so people don't talk about it ask questions but to me it looks like a pyramid comment in the box tell me what you think Bro, that's the guy I saw his video and he was the one talking about the Cueva de los Indios with the UFOs. That was it was his video that I saw. Mm -hmm. It was yeah. him. That guy's into the Heb ancient Hebrew presence in Puerto Rico too. Interesting. Well, it's like how mm -hmm. your your whole the first videos that I saw of yours were of the pyramids in Florida. But in the how you're saying the United States, they're not called pyramids; they're called mounds, right? So this idea right, that yeah. there is, you know, these structures here, but they've been covered up. I I told you about the Bosnian pyramids too. That's also one of those where they don't really accept it, but then there's like these spheres and all these different things there. It's like super weird. I don't know if you've ever heard about that one. No, I'm, I'm trying to dig <clears throat> dig through and get this article about uh about Africans being in Puerto Rico before Columbus. Mm. Mm -hmm. Africans, quote unquote. Yeah. Africoids, Africoids. Hey, let me read this here. The the Dino light gold for its beauty, but they used it to make jewelry and create offerings. To the Spaniards, gold, gold was very valuable, and the Tainos helped Ponce de Leon and his men search for the gold they wanted. Later, Ponce de Leon went back to Hispaniola. He returned to San Juan in 1509, bringing more settlers and their families. He was named governor by the king. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. From issuance, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Of Spain, the Spaniards decided to take over this island because of the gold in its rivers and mines. They did not ask permission of the Tainos, nor did they treat them as people who had been kind to them years earlier. Instead, they treated the Tainos as slaves. 
The Dainos, once free, now were forced to work for the Spaniards, whether they liked it or not. And I mean, you can read of all the stories and all the atrocities that they committed against these people, driving them to, again, unaliving themselves and their children because they didn't want their children to be a part of the conditions that they were living in. So, I mean, imagine that, bro. Actually, I don't want to imagine it, but pretty messed up. Yeah, and the next stuff I got is the 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 perfect DNA stuff. Dude, I, I I'm so pissed I had this great article. Do you remember what it was about? Puerto Ricans in Africans coming to Puerto Rico. Africans like dark skinned mm-hmm. Negroid type whatever you want to say Never heard that Moorish American that's like a 1800s term Caucasoid Mongoloid people say it's derogatory but boo yeah um, man I can't find it I'm gonna have to well let's just get into the DNA I'll do my best to, to keep looking. All right. So the the perfect human is Puerto Rican. Now, there's mixed feelings about this. This was a meme, apparently, that went viral on Facebook and social media. Now, remember that lady at the beginning that we that I brought up and, and I put her with the with the alien greys. Uiza and this this lady had a vision of her right this mythological only one the the only female cacique uh, Taino cacica I guess in Puerto Rico's history and this is a painting by one of the most famous artists in Puerto Rico Samuel Lind and you had told me about this. I didn't understand it at first. I called you. I was like, hey, bro, I don't understand the language of whatever's being said here. I don't even know I'm going to be able to portray it correctly because I don't understand the verbiage. I'm not a genealogist. I'm not a biologist, whatever. Right. So <clears throat> turns out right, I did some more digging. And this Leo Leor Patchter guy, he's a computational biologist. He works at the California Institute of Technology. And he ran essentially a simulation of the perfect genome, right? And they have different parameters in which they put into a computer and it spits back out information. And he believes, according to the information that was given to him, again, by this AI, if you will, this machine learning, that the perfect human, genetically speaking, is a Puerto Rican woman due to her DNA ancestry that allows her to possess the ideal genotype. Now, in that article... When it first came out, they put a picture of this Uiza, this mythological female casica. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that in passing, he just goes, oh, it could have been Uiza, right? That that had the perfect... Because a lot mm-hmm. of times these, these wives of these casicas would also be kind of revered because they were obviously the wife of the casique, but they were also polygamous, so they could have had numerous wives. So maybe it was like this queen, right? They called her the, the queen. She supposedly was like a queen, right? Uh, but again, this guy ran the numbers and it came back to him. 
and also the verbiage. It was the na- the closest neighbor to the perfect human is a female Puerto Rican. So again, there's when people make a meme and it spreads, right? Memetics, it spreads out there. It's meme magic. You can kind of get carried away with it. I got my nipples hardened up as soon as you saw the perfect. I was like, dude, I told you, right? Narco came a running and was like, hey, dude, I've had the perfect specimen under my nose this whole time. I, go, I told you, bro, right? So I, I did a little bit digging in, bro, and it, it got dark real quick. All right. And <laughs> all right. So the DNA research stemmed from this is where it gets good the Nobel Prize. Nobel Prize winner James Watson and his obsession to improve the perfect human. This dude is 95 years old, by the way. He's still alive. So he's probably figured something out. Watson sought to improve. Can I say this? This is what I was prefacing earlier is this is the part that I was saying, take with a grain of salt because this guy seems to be kind of racially motivated (laughs) or politically motivated. So... (laughs) So we're oh, exploring yeah. it because it is super interesting. Um, yeah. But. So this James Watson sought to improve the imperfect human via human germline engineering. Now, what that is, is uh, chaining, changing someone's DNA in order for it to be ancestral and be passed down genetically. So like a CRISPR, like to the T where you change it one time and it continues to go on, right? Now, you can see where this is going, (laughs) but according to Patrick's account of his encounter with Watson, he heard him spew racist and misogynic or misogynic, misogynistic comments. Patrick undertook the thought experiment to actually find the perfect human. And this is where it gets, again, technical through the SNP database Again, these words, blah, 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 the most common type. So they take these parameters and in silico, which is in a simulation, a computer, he created the perfect human by setting all the alleles to the perfect, right? Good, bad, et cetera, et cetera. But again, this is all subjective and it popped out some information. And and from that information, he was able to locate where the perfect human would be, right? And then the nearest neighbor to that perfect human is HG00737, a female who is Puerto Rican, the nearest neighbor to that perfect human, that female Puerto Rican. Then they insert the picture of Uiza, this mythological casica, and therefore, boom, the internet goes crazy. All the Puerto Ricans are celebrating. I was celebrating. We're the perfect species. We're the perfect, uh, you know, peoples. We already knew this, right? But then again, I always, um, I like to look at when I'm doing research, I like to look at all perspectives. I like to look at the good. I like to look at the bad. And again, I present the information to people. They can make whatever decisions, whatever opinion of that, you know, what they will. So with that said, (laughs) there's opposing views. There is no perfect human in Puerto Rico or anywhere else. And this is by these people here in 2015, they're talking about James Watson, and unfortunately, many people did not detect the sarcasm in his post. Inadvertently pushed many wrong buttons, igniting a, a squall of media attention in Puerto Rico, et cetera, et cetera. And right, they were even throwing in Jennifer Lopez and Ricky Martin in there as like the perfect specimens. Like they were going crazy with it, right? But it was supposed to be sarcastic with a tongue in cheek tone that ridiculed perfect human arguments. 
talking about because he he dedicated this the guy dedicated to James Watson who had sold he sold his Nobel Peace Prize right whenever he had done that so sadly most readers also did not see this sarcastic message of Patcher's post instead a resounding hurrah we have won the race of human race eclipse the main message nobody is perfect human not even if they had won a Nobel Prize now with that said, again, that's an opinion of somebody else. But about the gene, where, where was he getting the information for the for the specific gene? So the, just like made up this database. No, no, no. They have an entire database. This SNP. It's a database. So it's it's a hold, and they input the parameters in which they want them to search. And they and the, he was talking about how they would. Uh, there's common genes, alleles that people have, and they would just kind of generalize it. And he just put in like good, whatever. And by good, they talk about how resistant people are to like certain illnesses, diseases, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like, that's good. If if you're able to stay healthy in all weather, in all different places, then you, you have superior DNA, right? Like you're you're the perfect specimen. You can survive anywhere. Your your adaptability is is above everyone else's, right? So they're taking these but it's a simulation in silico, which is in a computer pretty much, but it's through a database. Now, <laughs> I, when I had first read the article that you had told me about, I had mm-hmm. thought it was this guy that had done the study, right? I mean, look at yeah. this specimen of a man. He's 95 years old. And what, one very interesting thing about this guy, he's the father of DNA. So this guy right here, American geneticist and biophysicist, who played a crucial role in the discovery of the molecular structure of DNA. So he attributed to the discovery of the DNA being helix, right? In the helix pattern. This this guy, along with somebody else, obviously it was another guy, but this guy, they call him the father of DNA, Okay. And one of his obsessions was to improve the imperfect human via human germline engineering. Now, it gets worse (laughs) because, right, he was part of this human genome project, which was supposedly mapping out the entire human genome. It started in 1990, was completed in 2003, remains the world's largest collaborative biological project. Planning for the project started after it was adopted in 1984 by the U.S. government. And officially launched in 1990. It was declared complete April 14, 2003, and included about 92% of the genome level. Uh, level complete genome was achieved in May 2021, with a remaining only point. So I guess they were trying to put together the entire sequencing of the human genome. Again, I don't understand a lot of this stuff, but. This guy was a part of that. And, and and when you start to think about it, it sounds really bad. Like you're trying to do something that he sympathized with a certain person in history, which is very infamous for a certain thing. He said that we must. Who, Stalin? No, another guy. So. And, no. No. And it gets funny, bro. Lenin? No. <laughs> Zuckerberg? No. So. I have no clue who you're talking about. This guy, it involves the EUs, uh, okay? This Nobel-winning biologist, he's got a trigger finger, bro. And <laughs> uh, suggesting that black people are intrinsically less intelligent than whites. 
And moreover, he added, although he wished everyone were equal, quote, people who have to deal with black employees find this not true. So, again, this guy doesn't have the best reputation. He's, he's a piece of shit, right? He's a racist piece of shit, uh, the father of DNA. And these are some of the most notable uh, quotes that I found of him. My favorite being... <clears throat> Most controversial was an interview he gave to the Sunday Telegraph in which he said, if you could find, oh no, not that one, not that one. This one I hear, whenever you interview fat people, you feel bad because you know you're not going to hire them, he said. And then also he says, if you could find the gene that which determines sexuality and a woman decides she doesn't want a homosexual child, well, let her, right? Uh, also here, more controversy came when Dr. Watson suggested a link between skin color and libido in 2000, suggesting that the skin pigment melanin boosts sex drive. He's quoted saying, that's why you have a Latin lovers, he said. You've never heard of an English lover, only an English patient. So, <laughs> uh, 2007, quote, some anti-Semitism is justified, unquote. This dude, bro, was a piece of work, okay? And it gets worse because he was part of eugenics. He was behind eugenics research the lab where he worked at used to be an office for eugenics, the, the, the lab that he was currently working at. So again, <laughs> I found it super interesting that this, I, I was, I was led down this rabbit hole to this. And it reminds me of the, this guy, Mangale of the Caribbean, where they were, find him where he's where he's at anyways during the early 1900s the i believe it was the it was the i want to say Rhodes institute one of those institutes anyway i have to find it they were testing again back again to maybe they were onto something maybe they understood something about the genome in puerto rico because they were testing biological weapons on the puerto rican indigenous population in the early 1900s and they developed, I believe, it was one of the either Agent Orange or Agent White, something. One of the agents they developed it in Puerto Rico by spraying it on the indigenous people of Puerto Rico in the early 1900s. So, yes, bro. Let me go ahead and Damn. talk and let me find it. But yeah, yeah, it's like I said, it it got dark real quick. And I've known about that, the testing in the Caribbean. But yeah, it doesn't. Puerto Rico hasn't had the best of luck but yeah you have this connection of this guy <laughs> this james watson guy and the perfect genome right so take take that for what you will right that was that was my last slide here we can get into your stuff and but let me find that that story of this guy the the mangale of the caribbean is what they called him right the brown angel <laughs> Let me see. They called the white angel. The white angel was Doctor Mengel. Oper Operation Whatever. Bootstrap. Series of experiments in Puerto Rico. Here you go. Yikes. Operation Bootstrap. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the most uh, that's the most disrespectful part. Operation Bootstrap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like the Puerto Ricans have to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. So they were sterilizing Puerto Ricans. 
So, puertorriqueños esterilizadas. So, the women, they were sterilizing them. Uh, they were America's colonist relationship with Puerto Rico meant the U.S. government felt free to use Puerto Ricans as policy laboratory. This was motivated by the fear that poor nations were susceptible to communist influence. Uh, so in Puerto Rico was dubbed, was dubbed Operation Bootstrap. <laughs> and let's see here. There was other stuff too between, right here, between 1950s and 1970s, human radiation experiments were conducted on Puerto Rican prisoners without their consent by American scientists. Yikes. Uh, here we go. Enjoy falling down the Wikipedia rabbit hole. Yeah, find the reason why. Uh, unethical human experimentation. And, uh, so we have Vieques, again, where they found that the 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 oldest man. Uh, right here, some I heard, I saw somebody, I saw somebody in the chat talking about how they had high high rates of diabetes. So inhabitants of the island of Vieques, Puerto Rico, are more likely to die of cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and cancer than residents of Puerto Rico. In the mainland U.S. Meanwhile, the beginning of the 1948, test bombs on the island 2003. Right here, this is basically just another form of Mengele level medical experimentation deemed permissible given American colonist relationship with Puerto Rico. My ears are burning, says Dr. Mengele. Loves it when you talk about him. He's a real ham. <laughs> Yikes, bro. And let me find this guy because it was like early 1900s and there were... They were experimenting and they developed one of the one of the like Agent Orange or something like that in Puerto Rico. And they called him. Let me see here. Cornelius P. Rhodes. Oh, yes. Hold on. I think I found him. This Rhodes guy right here, 1930s. But he's got a quote, bro. He's got a quote that I, re I really love. Let me, <laughs> let me find him right here. So, oh, right here. This is, okay, this is my favorite. Okay, I've, I've talked about this before. This is really messed up. But this is my favorite, <laughs> my favorite quote ever by anybody. So this guy right here, Cornelius Rhodes. Right. Uh, Cornelius Packard Dusty Rhodes was an American pathologist, oncologist and healthcare administrator who was involved in an alleged medical racism experiment in Puerto Rico during a 1931 to 1932 pathology study on anemia and leukemia. So he was part of the Rockefeller Foundation. Right. So we have the lizard people. Illuminati confirmed running tests on. And he talks about I've killed eight, eight of my patients. But then he goes on to say. This is quote. They, Puerto Ricans, are beyond doubt the dirtiest, laziest, most degenerate and thievish race of men ever inhabiting this sphere. It makes you sick to inhabit the same island with them. They are even lower than Italians. What the island needs is not public health work, but a tidal wave or something to totally exterminate the population. It might then be livable. I have done my best to further the process of extermination by killing off eight and transplanting cancer into several more. The latter has not resulted in any fatality so far. The matter of consideration for the patient's welfare plays no role here. In fact, all physicians take delight in the abuse and torture of the unfortunate subjects. This is 1930 uh, by this Cornelius P. Rhodes of the Rockefeller Institute, funded by them. And they were testing on the Puerto Rican people. 
So <laughs> this is dark, right? This is dark and this is, I mean, but this is, this is history. So yeah. What do you, what do you think about this? This piece of work, bro. You're muted. You're muted, Mongo. Sorry, I said I don't know about the Italian part. I think that that <laughs> one's still. I think the jury's still out on that one. But uh. But yeah, this is again the darker side of of the history, and it seems that history doesn't often repeat itself. It often rhymes, right? And I mean, there's the the ill treatment of the indigenous people during the conquistadors. And then you have this here, which was again, 1931, 1932, the U S hadn't acquired Puerto Rico until 1898 or whatever it was that I, that I said at the beginning, uh, through, and again, they had invaded and they, they ended up staying, but this guy ended up going the 19th. So they hadn't been there for that long. And since it's a Commonwealth, it's not essentially, you know, they're, they're considered citizens from 1917 on, but, Again, there's there's a a gray area there. So here he was part of the Rockefeller Foundation International Health Board. Yikes. He worked for the United States Army, helping to develop chemical weapons and set up research centers. Research on mustard gas led to the development for its use in chemotherapy at Sloan Kettering. Damn. Yeah, dude, that's messed up. This dude was a piece of shit. Fuck this guy. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Yeah, what's next? I uh, said here, uh, you want to talk about the, do you have the forts? Yeah, I've, I've got something else. Um, we were actually looking at the article I wanted to show earlier, but I didn't read it all the way at the bottom. At the top, it talks about their possible extermination, alleged extermination by volcanic eruption. Well, this is the Caribs, not the, not the Taino specifically. This could have been any of the Caribbean islands. But St. Vincent, so I think that's more towards Virgin Islands. But um, here are students of, this gets a little bit more into the race. Students of ethnology have found the Caribs interesting and baffling subjects. Their origin is enshrouded in mystery, and the black types, often found in Belize and Honduras, are taken by some scientists as proof that African blood, quote-unquote African blood, was mixed with that of the Caribs long before the whites brought slaves to America. The pure type of Carib differs radically from that of other natives of the Americas. It is now difficult to find the red native with the characteristics that distinguished him when his country was discovered by the Spanish navigators. Negro and Arawak blood is now so mixed with the Carib that the casual traveler in the tropics is confused. Um, the next part talks about how they moved 6,000 men women and children away from one island or away from a couple islands when a volcano went off. And after then, I don't think um, the story was clear. A lot of people think they just disappeared and that they died, but they actually just moved them to another island. 
So. And you said that was a, do they say which volcano it was? And then you should tell me about the, the Pompeii of the Caribbean. Is that you? That's yes. They, they nickname it. I think the Pompeii of the Caribbean because of like a, a couple mass extinction events that are potentially caused by it. But here, I'll continue reading this. As far back as any authentic history goes, we find records of black caribs. There is much evidence to prove that the black carib visited long before the white people brought African slaves to this country. This has caused much interesting speculation and no doubt is proof of movements of people that we know nothing of. The carib is of the South American Indian type. He is a very sturdy man. It is said that they are the handsomest race native to the Americas. The Carib proved himself superior to other natives before the arrival of the whites, arrested the progress of Indian fairs. <clears throat> they were good potters and were the only Indians that used sails for their canoes, Ooh, interesting, which were the best made vessels found in America. Um pointed out to travelers blah 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 blah. He said they use sails for their canoes that sounds familiar yes. bro. <laughs> sails on their boats that's very um you know innovative that's that's a but here let me see it sounds the way they talk about it um is whatever great deal of ivory carib boys are almost the equal of fish in the water and they dive after a coin thrown into the water beat it to the bottom and lay there until it flutters down to them the entire performance being visible in the transparent waters of their tropical sea so not your typical African uh, stereotype, <laughs> right? Yeah. Shows uh, perhaps a more comfortability with, with water in the Caribbean than you get with Africans who don't typically like the water as much. But um, yeah, that, interesting. That, that is an interesting observation too, what you're saying there. It reminds me of the, the way of the water with, with James Cameron you got the people of the forest, right? The, the the tribe of the forest, and then when they go to the ones of the that are the water, they can they've evolved differently because their tails can paddle, and they can swim faster than the ones that were in the trees. I don't know if you've seen that movie mm-hmm. or not, but it's a really interesting movie. And when you say um, what you were showing earlier was Columbus mentioned the Moorish huts of the people, so mm-hmm. when you take that coupled with this article and a, a couple different depictions. Uh, yeah. What did so. it say there? The, a story of their extermination not true? Is that what it said? Yeah, at the top here. Because I pulled up here the, the Pompeii of the Caribbean. Is it the Montserrat? No, it's not that one. It's St. Oh, Vincent. Is, this is Spain. St. Vincent. I think it's Virgin Islands. Montserrat's in the Caribbean, though. That's right. Is it? Yeah, Montserrat. Yeah. So it's got an extinction zone, yeah. 
You're probably right. That's probably the, the more serious. Plymouth one. Monster at the Pompeii of the Caribbean is what it says here. Right. Was this first discovered by Christopher Columbus on a second voyage? <laughs> this guy, bro. Interesting. All right. Yeah. 1493. So, yeah. Caribs escape. Story of their extermination by volcanic eruption. Not true. Interesting and baffling subjects whose origin is shredded, shrouded in mystery. Their present whereabouts accounted for. Mm -hmm. Okay. So before we get away from like their, uh, the anthropology, the anatomy, whatever about the people, um, there's many stories of giants like we were talking about coming out of the Caribbean. And some of the evidence of that not just newspaper articles. Shout out to G Florida Giants were real. In Florida, all around Florida, you have people whose teeth were so strong and so large that they could bite open shells like pistachios. Right? What? Easier than a easier than a pistachio, like a peanut. That's crazy. Could, boom. And we know this because we find them. The old fossilized shells or mineralized shells all over the place and you can see they've been eaten like a can opener like eating it around gnawing on it around the rim and cracking it open and their teeth were that strong we, we know that we can find some extreme extremely impressive molars out of the mounds of florida alongside the, the giant's bones but you'll know most of those bones have been carted off to the Smithsonian. So, was it double rows of teeth, Longo? Do they say some? Some of them. I don't have an article on hand with that, but some of them do say that. But what, what you'll hear is sometimes they'll say ten teeth in in like a whole jaw. Sometimes, so ten, like a bottom jaw, you mm -hmm. know, ten instead of like twenty. So they're twice as big and huge but in a relatively similar size jaw mm. but interesting and here evidence of tribal fights this is a picture of giant bones this is a picture of giant bones from the smithsonian sorry from fort myers but i think they these ones went to the smithsonian so there's a picture of them they were real until they went to the Smithsonian. Then they ceased to be real. <laughs> right. So these guys, um, race of giants ran over the islands. So here down here talks about the islands um, around Florida. The Caribs. Okay. Sorry. Down here. Examination of the bones by authorities revealed that as far as is known, they are at least 500 years old and are the remains of a tribe of Indians known as the Caribs, natives of the West Indies. It is a historical fact that in the period preceding the arrival of the Spaniards in Florida, there were isolated Indian tribes inhabiting the islands in this section. Judging from the size of the burial mounds, there were at least 250 bodies buried in each hill. Close examination of the skulls showed indications of tribal altercations 
for many of them had been crushed and battered. The skulls, according to experts, are slightly larger than those of present races, and the mouths and teeth are considerable, considerably longer and stronger than those known to dentists now. Authorities have advanced the theory that the size and shape of the teeth bear out the contention that the Indians of 500 years ago ate shell foods and cracked oysters and other shellfish with their teeth. Specimens of teeth found in the mound are well preserved, but show hard wear. The, bo the body bones are also much larger than those now known to the medical profession, and it has been dead decided that whatever race ran over the islands 500 years ago or more was a race of giants in size and strength. After being exhibited in Fort Myers for several days, the results of the excavation will be shipped to the Smithsonian Institution at Washington <laughs> for further examination. Can we get a soundboard? Yeah, I got you, bro. Let me... you got I got I got a couple. I mean, there's always the... FBI, open up! That one is always good. But... Smithsonian. I don't like that one. That one brings back bad memories. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I like, I like that one. Hail Nicholas Cage. Hail Nicholas Cage, baby. Smithsonian. <laughs> the Smiths, they Smith the they're the Truth Smiths. Well, they if you if you truth. think about it, they're 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 forging what history is, right, or what reality and the truth is. So that would make sense that they're they're the Smiths, right, the Smithsonians. Mm -hmm. uh, the gods of the, the forge, if you will. Right. And also, um, yeah, so you got, boom. You want to see a shell? There's a shell. shell exactly yeah. like they're described. You want to see the bones? There's the bones. <clears throat> they took pictures. Then they got sent to the Smithsonian, and no record, no story, not in the history books. I got to plug my computer in. One, give me one sec. <laughs> Nick Cage is an American hero. He did face off. Yes, he is. So I got cut out there. Hail Nicholas Cage. He's got a medieval times crown on because I think that's like a Florida initiation thing where you have to go to medieval times at least once while you're here to to be initiated as a Floridian. That's what I've heard. Just go silent when I fucking step away. No, no, I was talking about Nicolas Cage, and then I was reading my chat. Nice, sorry. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Uh, Amateur archaeologists find remains of Florida giants. Um, we read it. Caribs bones. Evidence of their giant teeth. Okay, this is like the. Uh, Traditional, traditional folklore of the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean is they talk about giants, Aztec, Maya. Um, is that like David and Goliath kind of sort of there? Let me see. That looks more like American. But here, this is Aztec. Um, Aztec or maybe Maya. 99% sure it's Aztec. Um 
you've got the pyramids, you've got the mounds like they were talking about in Florida where the giant bones were pulled out of the mounds. So you've got all the ingredients. You've got giant um, edifices to like in honor of these ancient, this is a cacique. This is in honor of an ancient cacique or maybe, maybe it was 500 years old. I don't know. 500 years ago. But yeah, that, that one's pretty recent, bro. That, that face, it's called the La Cara del Indio. I think it's what it's called. Del Indio, Puerto Rico. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I think it's like the 80s something. Yeah. Um, I'm going to show you the. This is recent, but I'm saying like, just like in Florida, in my a Giants mm-hmm. video, they sh- they'll put a blow up doll in front of the Ocala Caverns. That's like fucking 30 feet tall. <laughs> and you have to walk between his legs to go into the caverns. Where they were pulling, yeah. where they were pulling giant skeletons out of, like a, you know, fifty years earlier, and then you go to the Seminole Reservation, and they've got a Seminole that's eighty feet tall, pointing the way in that you have to drive by. We got to get that guy on, bro. The Ocala Caverns guy. You, you ever reach out to him, or was it? I think it was a podcast that I was talking about it. I forgot what his name was. That he's got to do with the whole water preservation. You know what I'm talking about, right? We got to get that dude on talk. Yeah, here I wanted to um, show. Well, we we also have the Hebrew connection, so we, maybe we'll save that for a little later. But petroglyphs. Yeah, we'll save that for a little later. You've got Patagonian giants, so stories of giants all around. This is not. And again, when we say giant, we don't mean twenty feet tall. We don't need thir- we don't mean thirty feet tall. But you know, mm-hmm. six foot six is huge to to people. Thousands of years ago, five ten, even Juan mentioned, that's huge to people before. And then we have articles being written about seven foot, nine foot skeletons, you know, and taller out of Mexico, but they were real showed you some pictures, showed you some shells that were cracked by strong teeth, strong, strong teeth. And you've got uh, accounts like this from the mainland, South America, Patagonians. I can't believe I missed this. Cara, cara, colia means shellfish. Uh, shell face, yeah. Cara, face, caracol, shell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Also, Cara Cara is a type of orange. A Florida Cara Cara. <laughs> At least 20, 20 feet, my guy. At least. Nothing less than that. That's mm-hmm. like when you first saw me longer, you were like, dude, you're so tall. I'm like, yeah, dude. I mean, what what are you like like what are you like five two, bro? Who <laughs> me? Yeah. <laughs> I think you're 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 uh, mistranslating again. I think your English is a little funny, uh, acting a little funny again. Juan, it's six two, six one and three quarters. I was wearing my platform uh, uh, chancletas last time I was at the store, so I'm gonna wear them again. Now you said you're. What do you say you were? You're taller than you. I'm said five you were. ten and a half, bro. I think you're taller than that, or your shoes were pretty tall. But yeah. Yeah, no, I'm gonna. I, I told you I'm gonna be going down uh, this weekend, so I'm gonna try and go up and visit you guys if you're gonna be in town. Maybe we can go get our nipple shocked together, bro. 
Is it far from the store? Dude. No, it's very close. Twenty it's twenty minutes. Oh let's do it. North. And then we can do the the go to that Mexican restaurant we went to. Yeah, let's do yes. it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Shell we'll yeah. Do that again. We'll go back to La Bamba. You like that? Bro, that was one of the best Mexican restaurants that I've ever been to. And wow. Yeah, no, I'll be honest. That was one of like the top. I love Mexican food, bro. I think in another life, I was in Puerto Rican. I was actually Mexican. My wife makes fun of me all the time because I love tacos. And right. I mean, that's kind of stereotypical, right? Like tacos and Mexican. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love Mexican food. It's just something about it. And I was probably, I don't know. In another life, I was a Mexican. Did I hear nipples? No, we're going to get our nipples shocked by the Tesla shocked. coil. Yeah. You wouldn't know anything about that. It's, you know, you got to be enlightened to a certain degree. And then, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the Kundalini is activated by there. Yeah. So this ain't no coleslaw, baby. <laughs> this is Tesla. Okay. So this ain't no appetizer. This ain't no side dishes. Okay. This is the, the full course right there. So I'm going to, you guys will see the videos pretty crazy. Yeah. Sam Tripley's called me Mexican probably three different times. So there's that. But it's all love. I don't. I love Mexican. Mexicans are awesome. Mexicans are, are super great, hardworking people. A lot harder working than Puerto Ricans, that's for sure. And they're super nice and humble. So, yeah, shout out to my Mexicans. Okay, you're gonna have to notify uh, YouTube that you are Puerto Rican, so you can say whatever you want. I love Biden. I love all three letter agencies. I love the government, and. Yeah, so I just, you know, I love YouTube. I love censorship. So I just making sure that you guys know that I am Puerto Rican. I can show you my birth certificate. So just just putting that out there uh, that we, we love all that stuff. We love being told what Mark, to do, right? Mark Zuckerberg is human. And, and Longo is part of the LGBTQ community as well. So you got that, you know, he's he's one of the the gay YouTubers of the old world uh, community. So you gotta, you gotta give them some, some slack for that. Yep. Yeah. Didn't you just have a meeting, bro? Like a, a meetup? You always do it during the week when I never can. That's tomorrow. Oh, you can come. I can't. Come bro. I, Miami, bro. <laughs> I got something called the family and kids long ago. I don't know if you've ever heard about that, but. I've told I'm told you, dude, we have to do one. Disney or around Disney, whatever. We'll go to Old Town, bro. We'll go somewhere free. Meet up there. Okay. You can crash at my place, whatever. We'll do it here in Orlando. And then we can go. Uh, no, uh, no, I don't want to wake up with a homunculus <laughs> inside me. Okay. The perfect specimen, bro. The perfect specimen. You're you're fixing to find out. So uh, I want to show bro, I want to show you this tree. That, but it's only accessible. I have to, I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna have to take you for a ride on my boat. And it's, there's this huge tree on this island on Lake Toho in Kissimmee that I want you to see, bro. You're gonna want to hug it. It's like the craziest looking tree, and it's on okay. on the side. So we have to go. But yeah, plan one here, and I'll get the Hamunk army set up, and we'll we'll ride out. So let's talk about. Um, you've got this festival. Mm-hmm. I'm down. I'm down. Juan. We'll make it happen. So let's talk about this festival. Um, I think that's um, 
that's the Puerto Rican flag, right? That's not the Dominican. No, it's that's the Puerto Rican but, flag. And and real quick, yeah. th- this is an example that they give of the, the that African influence and the syncretism that happens uh, with these right these masks that they're showing. And supposedly the Taino were good mask makers, but yeah, this is one of those influences supposedly of the African culture on the Taino people and how it's syncretized together. Wearing stilts, but not just tall, also like reptilian or reptilian style. Illuminati uh, confirmed. They seem chupacabra related. So tall (laughs) chupacabras people. This is what we're dealing with. This is this is what this is the uh, life saving gravy you're getting over at Old World Florida and TJOJP channel. But <laughs> big clowns wearing like uh, Disney masks, whatever. <laughs> That's interesting. But, um, I didn't even connect the idea that they're that they're tall because sometimes they don't wear stilts or whatever they're called, and they're just like on the ground. But yeah, that's a good connection, like these grotesque giants, which is also part of the the lure you hear a lot about. Here is a depiction of a Taino or an Arawak or a, uh, you know, Carib with her parrot. Now, here's something really interesting. Since we were talking about, you know, where were the people coming from, from the north, from the south? Well... Huge Arawak to Tamukua connection. We've got the exact same petroglyph being found in Puerto Rico and Douglas County, Georgia. So notice this one. He's got two eyes, I think, and then maybe a third eye. Or he's got three bubbles, four, four eyes, you know, whatever it is. He's got both depictions that seems to be the same. Now his arms are, are a little different. But he's got two circles by his, his throat. Who knows? <clears throat> but really interesting. And also a little bit of an alien thing here. And that's see, what that, else? that one's super interesting, bro. I never I never saw that. Where there's there's right. a there's a and this is the thing, man, like all these cultures that are that are so far apart. Right. Obviously, Puerto Rico being an island, and then do do they have a time frame of when that petroglyph in in Georgia was from? I don't. I just dragged dragged the picture yeah. off Wikipedia. And threw it into the file. Yeah, nice. No, it was like some blog or something. That's interesting. So, and that uh, that was like Cueva del Indio, which we brought up the little alien face. That's where they talk about the little alien faces, and supposedly the Mayan contact with the Taino people and there's supposedly there again I didn't look into it but there's evidence there in that particular cave mm-hmm. right and here let's let's since we're talking about their origins and the petroglyphs we're gonna watch this so I might have to turn the sound off I, I don't remember how it, it's got music how it yeah off. just turn it off No, 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 no. Okay. Don't want to get demonetized. Okay, we're just going to play no music. So we're going to have to do our best to decipher 
but <laughs> you're going to see some of the pictures. This is all Puerto Rico, and they are identifying these as Hebrew style or Paleo Hebrew um, style, not just glyphs, but some of them are um, figures, letters. Now remember, anytime you hear Paleo Hebrew, it could easily be ancient runic, ancient Iberian, ancient um, ancient Phoenician script, right? They're all using a large amount of the same symbols, whether they're backwards, upside down. It's almost the same thing across the board. So that's why in the Americas, you'll hear so many people saying, see, that's Ibero, I think is... Hivaro, which is which is like country like well I, Iberian Iberian is intrinsically connected with um, Hebrew Heber Hebrew the Gibraltar the Hebrew altar gibberish like you're speaking Hebrew to me I don't understand it Heber Heber Iberia and Hebrew that's why Sephardic points to Spain, the word Sephardic Jew, mm -hmm. whereas the others probably come from Eastern Europe. It's Sephar points to uh, Spain, and that's Iber, and then you go, which is using ancient Iberian rune-type things or Phoenician-style script, and then you go up to Hibernia, Hibernia, where they have the Hebrides, Hebrides in Ireland, they're going to be using runes or ogham, which is not exactly the same, but similar if you write it certain ways. But the Irish were using runes too. Jesus fucking fly. So that was a, a, fly. a fly sent by the CIA because you're getting too close, to, <laughs> too close to the truth, bro. Mm-hmm. So here, let's resume. And I want to I want to come back to this right here, this comment because I I did see that while looking looking up certain of of the gods, that the Mayans do have a a, a god called Hurricane too, Huracan, and I, again, mm -hmm. there might be a connect the the one legged is what they call them. So, right. Well, Hurricane, if they're saying that's an Arawak word mm -hmm. or a Caribbean word, that itself is a transatlantic connection because mm -hmm. um, the Ibis who is Thoth the uh, Egyptian deity Greek whatever Greco-Egyptian um, Thoth is the Ibis and the Ibis is the bird associated with the storm uh, I, it's, I, I, I've heard it different ways but one way is the truth is that the ibis is either the last to leave from the storm, last to leave when a storm is coming. So you absolutely know, oh, well, now the storm is really coming. Mm -hmm. Or or the ibis is the first to know this, the storm is coming. So you get a big, long heads up because the ibis is the wisest. 
or the ibis is the last to leave because he only leaves when he absolutely knows he needs to so either way it's a it's a wisdom trait and the ibis being associated with hurricanes and the miami maya hurricane being <laughs> being the um ibis maya me hurricanes ibis is their mm. symbol well hurry hurry goes back to hermes who's also thoth who is the messenger hurry he's the messenger he's the runner he's nike yeah. with the wings on his heels he's sprinting he's the messenger between the gods he has to to move quick so that's the um that's hermes that's mercury that's hurry from hermes and you get the hurry cane so I've linked those without ever knowing that it was linked to Caribbean, just phonetically. But yeah, I'm, I'm here for the for the comments. Why are you always reaching, bro? <laughs> Later on, how about you reach around? How about you reach around and fucking <laughs> suck my suck my beep? Well, yeah, the the ibis bird, right? It's the uh, related to Thoth, Hermes, and mm -hmm. the the underworld too, because supposedly it's it's when they go into the ground. They're pulling, or they're going into the depths, the the darkness. Interesting, right? Oh, I'm saying secret mm. here. Uh oh, same. You got to translate for us. Really tiny. You always see those same lines, bro, throughout like these ancient cultures, like these these really old. You always see those same lines. Mm -hmm. Did they talk yeah. in the video, bro? Do you, do you have subtitles at all? Here, I'm going to check it. I just don't want to get flagged. Nope. No talking. Okay. And this is the one that you were but, talking about, like the Hebrew glyphs that they were showing. Mm -hmm. We're gonna watch another one that goes over some of the same stuff. I just found these two online. So yeah, this one isn't really pointing out the comparisons or anything, but just keep them in mind. We'll watch the next one. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit of it. Oh, looks like fun, dude. No way. <laughs> the last one. Looks like your brother, bro. Shout out to oh, Professor yeah. Longo. <laughs> okay, here we'll watch this other one. Here's another one of the, the petroglyphs. Mm -hmm. That's, is that uh, Atabei, right? Mm hmm. So, we're going to watch this full volume. This I think this is on YouTube. I forget where I got this, but. Uh oh, is that the Bible, bro? Can you hear that? No, you're not sharing the, the audio, bro. You have to reshare the screen, click the audio, and then reshare the screen. Sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Because you don't have the volume control on the little 
the window at the bottom. Oh, it's because I'm um, I'm not viewing the thing itself. I'm still in the. Here we go. Sorry. It's okay, Daddy's got you. It's all right. Can you hear that? You have to add it to the stream. Or can you hear that? Hit it. Tell me if you hear this. No. You didn't share the, the audio, bro. You have to share the screen and at the bottom toggle the audio. <sighs> okay. Well, it's a window. It's not a Chrome tab. Yeah, you could still share the, the audio on it. That doesn't give me an option. Whatever. Deal with it. We're just going to read some stuff. All right. I can hear it. That's all that matters. I can hear it. So, seems like a black dude reading the Bible. Talking about Taino petroglyphs of Puerto Rico. Proving Hebrew-Israelite ancestry. He's saying that people who descend from the Taino of Puerto Rico are descendants of Hebrew Israelites. That's what he's saying. There's a turtle with the X on his back. Kind of turtle. Frog. Yep. He's saying that a lot of Puerto Ricans are coming back to this truth. These are the emojis of antiquity. That's my favorite comment so far. All right. Let's get a fucking move on. What What's he drawing from the... Wait, now he's talking about ufology? What's going on? The The... Yeah. The Journal of Hispanic Ufology. <laughs> what was he reading from the Bible, dude? I don't know. Just some we we was Moses type stuff. Oh, nice. What's he getting into now? Want some gravy? Traces of Phoenician involvement in the Caribbean go beyond Cuba, 
appearing in the strange bearded petroglyphs of the islands of Hispaniola and Puerto Rico. These images show strange figures of bearded men, often wearing turbans or thoroughly non-Taino Indian headgear. Revisionist historians have often used the existence of these stone carvings to launch theories of Phoenician visits in antiquity to these islands. In a paper presented to the Centro Centro de Estudios Avanzados de Puerto Rico, El Caribe, scholar Roberto Marinez Torres points out the existence of 17th century historical references to unusual divinities visiting the islands that form part of the oral traditions of the Carib Indians of the Isle of Tortuga. These white divinities taught the Caribs the building of huts, agricultural techniques, and the manipulation of poisonous yucca to make cassava bread. The last indication proves both troubling and interesting. Given the absence of yucca and similar tubers, in the Eastern Mediterranean. However, we not assume however, we might we not assume that Phoenician traders frequenting West Africa, as demonstrated by Hano's expedition to the Senegal region, would have encounters would have encounters well, I don't know if the grammar is right on that. Would have encounters similar routes yeah, and it's... learned how to use them. Curiously enough, this the Spanish conquistadores learned the making of cassava bread quickly enough, turning it into a regular staple on their maritime explorations in the New World. Are you thinking what I'm thinking, bro? Those white what? divinities? Holy shit, it's the Aryans, right? <laughs> the white divinities no, not- taught the Caribs the building of huts. What? What is it? What are we this talking about the, here, bro? It's a black dude writing this, um, or black dude reading this currently. We'll see what he says when he gets to the word white. He's going to be, oh, hell no, nah, man. That's that hijack <laughs> shit, bro. That's that motherfucking hijack shit, man. Well, it, it plays into what you've talked about before, right? The interchangeable letters. Can't say certain things. I don't know, bro. I'm just, I'm just saying. Just saying. And yes, yes, I did. <laughs> Just to man, show we, where you man, could. We was building them huts, bro. We was building them huts, bro. To show where you could misconstrue a word, and then then it just gets mixed up, like the rest of history. So, yeah, I want to hear what he says about this. <gasps> got pan flute music in the back I'm only transmitting what I'm hearing guys by the way source trust me bro mm-hmm. okay another one so I guess this is more on on uh more about Phoenician angle, but and the and the navy also of Hiram that brought gold from Ophir 
brought in from Ophir great plenty of almug trees and precious stones, for the king had a sea, for the king had at sea a navy of Tharshish with the navy of Hiram. Once in three years came the navy of Tharshish, and bringing gold and silver, ivory and apes and peacocks. So. Interesting passage there. So he reads the rest of that. Here, let's get into this. That's that same. That's that same cave that we we've brought up a few times. So they found Hebrew Israelite writing in Cuba. Hmm. Let's see. Would make sense the cube, right? Cuba. Yeah. Figures of bearded men wearing turbans. He's saying they're pictures of Israelites. It says, he's, I'm quoting him. It says Phoenician, but it's really talking about Israelites, Hebrew, etc. All the trigger words, we're just throwing them all in here. Okay. Little pineapple baby. <laughs> Little baby Yoda pineapple thing swaddled infinite type swaddled little, infant sorry a little homunculus bro that's a homunculus right there true a swaddled homunc we gotta get this guy on the podcast bro i wish you would have uploaded it to so we can hear yeah i'll see uh I'll have to go back. Oh, this is different. You went to a different page. Nice. So this here, this video is called Taino Petroglyphs of Puerto Rico Prove Hebrew Israelite Ancestry. So shout out. I don't remember the uh, user or the poster creator, but Taino Petroglyphs of Puerto Rico prove Hebrew Israelite ancestry. And like I'm saying, I'm not agreeing with everything he's saying, but very interesting. He would be good to have on. This guy certainly did a little bit of homework. Hey, the... What the heck? Page 2013, speaking on the uh, petroglyphs of the Americas. It's on archive.org. I, I don't even think it's a channel. The video is on archive.org. Hmm. So here, let me see if I can read this. It's a little blurry. Hmm. 
It, okay, here. It does not seem likely that the petroglyphs had much aesthetic significance, with the possible exception of those which copy designs on artifacts or are in cave dwellings. Neither does it appear probable that the drawings served as records, although the painted scenes in northwest Argentina might have had those functions. Some writers have professed to see traces of Hebraic or Phoenician writing in the petroglyphs of Brazil, Colombia, Venezuela, and the West Indies, but all such theories seem to be unfounded. Oh, boo-hoo. Well, I disagree. I got a lot of stuff that that disagrees. And then the guy in the video disagrees for sure. He's commenting on it. And okay, so here, that's interesting. This is a picture he throws up. Um, and you know, take this with like a million grains of salt. Okay. Source, with, trust like, me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is some we was everything. But Judah, so called Negroes, Benjamin, West Indians, Levi, Haitians, Simeon, Simon, Dominicans, Zebulon, Guatemala to Panama, Ephraim, Puerto Ricans, Manessa, Cubans, Gad, North American Indians, Reuben, Seminole Indians. Now that sounds right to me. You know how many Reuben sandwiches you can get in Seminole territory nowadays? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of delis on Seminole territory nowadays. Blah, blah, blah. But Reuben, I, I'm behind that one. Okay, you know, I don't need to be convinced on that one. Uh, I will have to get into the name Ruben a little bit more. But uh, Naphtali, Argentina and Chile, Chile, whatever, I don't care. Asher, Colombia to Uruguay. Isakar, Isakar, Isachar, Isakar. Mexicans. That sounds right. Isaka, Mexica. It's almost the same word. Um, But yeah, probably a little bit something to this. But obviously, I don't think all the tribes of Israel are are uh, neatly divvied up right here in the Caribbean, you know. Um, but it is interesting. So let's see, what else I got? What else I got in my little uh, file? We can skip the Star of Forts. We'll skip through them. It's certainly not... Um, I'm just reading the chat right now. See what, see what smack they're talking right now. <laughs> Got petroglyphs. I don't know, but that last one was kind of, kind of stretching it. But does it hurt when you stretch it that far? East, Isakar. Is that Mexican? Well, it's got the, uh, yeah, it is a stretch, but yeah, I see it. Exica, Isaka. It's not that much of a stretch when they put it right next to each other. 
I think the whole thing, the whole concept is a bit of a stretch with all 12 being in the Caribbean. But, you know, I say the Garden of Eden was in Florida, so I'm not going to reach. Maybe reach around. Bro. Source, trust yeah. me, bro. Give me a reach. Yeah, give me a reach around, CJ. <laughs> Reaching, bro. I'm just messing with you, dude. I don't. I, I never really got into any of this this sort of uh, stuff until I, until I met you. So here, let's look at this little uh, face. Boom! Here's the face. So this is recent. You know, this isn't some. I'll tell you right now exactly world. what year that was. I think it was like eighty-seven, right? So. La Cara del Indio honors the Taino chief who fought bravely against the Spanish invasion of Puerto Rico. And it is a roadside sculpture that welcomes visitors to the city of Isabela and the Puerta del Sol, the portal of the soul of the sun in the West region known as the Indian face in Spanish. The sculpture was of the Cacique Mabodamaca. Hold on. Let me say that right. Mabodamaca a Taino chief that fought against the Spaniards in 1511 and died during the battle and large area covers now. So yeah, it is an honor of this cacique that died in battle. And I'm trying to see what year it was that they put it up. Didn't tell me. Thanks dude. Old world Micmac. I'd love to hear some more on this. So Turiwa was Naftali. I need to know more about that. Please fill me in. So, yeah, that's the giant head. And the last bit we wanted to talk about was, well, we got into everything. Um, yep. We didn't talk about De Leon much. Yeah, like I, I said, of- we, we this is something that we can revisit again. You know, we can talk more about mm-hmm. the... Because, like I said, that book that I showed at the beginning by Rouse, I mean, dude, I don't know a lot about that. So it's it's new. It's new concepts to me. It's something that I would have to actually sit in. And a lot of the verbiage, right, a lot of these different times, I'm not a genealogist. I'm a homologist, but I'm not a genealogist. So I'm not, I don't, I'm not familiar, but we can definitely revisit this and talk about maybe the star forts of the Caribbean as a whole, right, and break some down because there are some interesting ones there and yeah Mm -hmm. for sure here i've got one last one last thing um we'll just go through some of the forts on the island real quick the most famous is el moro i think that's what they call it san felipe right and and Morro, yeah, which is the the main. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. I know you don't like when people tell you that. But... Why don't I like when people tell me that? I don't know. I think you've called me gay for saying that before. I don't know. Maybe one time when we're on the That's phone. That's not me. That's not me. Uh huh. San... I think it's weird when people don't say "bless you." Some atheistic, uh, <laughs> anti-human shit. So, here, I'm going to present this. This is San Felipe. So, we don't have star forts, per se, 
in Puerto Rico, but we definitely have bastion forts. So they're not like the symmetrical ones you might be used to seeing or some of the ones you see in Florida, but you've got giant. So you've got giant forts, big fortresses. This isn't a fort. This is a fortress. So multiple stories high walls. I think they say, I don't remember the thickest, like, uh, wall here is like eight or nine or ten feet thick just like solid you know brick if not more so you've got this thing we're told constructed by the spanish right now you'll see the same turrets right here these little corner pieces the turrets on the corners and you'll see those in florida too all across the caribbean it's a complete signature of what we're told is Spanish. Here, so you can see me. Spanish, um, you know, colonial architecture in the Americas. But huge, huge fort. Old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really like impressive right in out. person. Yeah. I haven't been there. But built right out into the ocean and aerial that's the one on the thumbnail almost looks like a bat almost looks like a um jagged face kind of i don't know like a demonic face a little bit with the two ears at the top and the chin at the bottom but i like that almost looks like a deer's head if you can see that if you can imagine that Twisted sideways. Mm -hmm. There you go, upside down. It's funny you say that because the the the, the, the Tequesta worshipped a stuff. Is it a stuffed deer or was mm -hmm. that the Tamuqua? <laughs> Arrowhead. Well, yeah. How did I not put that together? Arrow. So a W goes to a V. Because it hurts when you stretch it that far. That's why. <laughs> no, it only hurts you. Okay, so Arawak, the uh, old world, old world Micmac is has some. Uh, and let let me also so. touch on the words, and and I know you gave me some slack earlier of the words that because I said cannibal was Arawak uh, in the English or whatever, and they or oh, they borrowed it or whatever, and let me find mm -hmm. it here. But barbecue is one of them for sure. We have see that just doesn't ring true to me. Not barbecue, but um, cannibal. Come on, Cain and Abel. Come on, Canaanites. Blood sacrifice. Carnival feasts, rituals, carnival and um, carne means meat. You know, so Cain. Cannibal, Cain, and Abel. Can do. Can means you're able to do something. Can, right? I'm able to. I can do that. I'm able. Can do. That's, um, yeah. Bubba, I won't stretch it farther than that. But 
I can't find it now, but there was a bunch of words that that they were that borrowed. A hurricane, a hurricane was one of them. Barbecue was another. You had. Golly, I can't find it. Anyways, we can talk about it later. But American, yes, American, Ameri, Amaru. Okay, you know that's a, that's one thing. But Amori, Amori is the Amorites, Amorites who are what we're told are Phoenicians or Carthaginians or you know North African uh, people from the Old Testament. Your Phoenician colonists. And uh, Amorites, when the Spanish came to Florida, who did they say was here? The Amorite, the Amalekite, the Moabite, Moabite. The Moabites are probably in the southwest United States near the Mojave, Moab Desert. Those are the same words, Mojave and Moab. Same right. word. Here we go. So we have manioc, sweet potato, moon, water, sun, heat. Hammock was another one of them that stood out. Snake. Let's see here. Proto-Arawak reconstructions. I'm not sharing the the wrong thing, but yeah. So uh, hammock was one of them. Let's see here. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not the one that I had pulled up, but it shows you the proto-Arawak word. Anyways, it's fine. Can't find it. Yeah, no worries. So we've also got... um, We've got... This guy. And I think... Sure, I should have given the date. I actually it doesn't even matter. Everyone's gonna deny the date anyway. <laughs> but here this one's just a square. You've got this one's interesting. San Geronimo. Hammock, hurricane, barbecue, iguana, maize, papaya, savanna. Guava and possibly tobacco. <laughs> tobacco, tobacco. Yeah, well, I think Eeyore Bach would beg to differ on that one. But well, he was doing other stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah, right here, cannibal. Since different dialects of Taino interchange L, N, and R sounds, when Columbus heard the name of the Caribe in Cuba, it sounded like Caniba. The fierce tribe was believed to eat human flesh, and the word angelicized as cannibal was generalized to mean man-eater. Canoe? So they're, they're really not going to mention at all. Arne means meat. Val comes from Baal. Feast of Baal. Sacrifice. Carneval. Come on. Listen, bro. This is just what the internet's saying. If it's on the internet, it's true. So... That's the one I know you right. didn't like, so that's what that's why I picked that one. Amen. That's that shit I don't like. 
little Florida jam. Shout out, Chief Keef. <laughs> you think he listens to the show, bro? Oh, yeah. I think, uh, I feel like Kodak Black, I feel like um, Lil Yachty does. Talk about the Seminoles. Talking about the Seminoles all of a sudden. But, no. Shout out to Lil Yachty. I, if, any, if anyone did, it would be Kodak Black, because I know he's into the occult. And, um, I'm not saying I think these guys watch or anything, but if if any rapper, if any Florida rapper, or if any rapper, it would be a Florida rapper who are into Florida, who are into like ancient Israelite Moorish connections, mm-hmm. and that would kind of narrow it down to Kodak Black, who's also based and loves Trump, um, and Lil Yachty made a song about the Seminoles. A couple of months ago. Really? Yeah. Black Seminoles. Whatever. I don't <laughs> care. I don't watch rap. I don't yeah, look at this one. <laughs> Island Boys, yeah. You mean the Epstein Epstein Island Boys? Come on, bro. He's hitting all the trigger words on this one, huh? What, is that a... I think so, probably. Who cares? It's a real... It's a thing. We love Biden. We love Clinton. We love all of them. Yep. Vote blue till you're blue in the face, y'all. That's right. Nope. Don't. We. Shut up. We're Shut all up, bro. Red... <laughs> <laughs> just, just don't talk, dude. Uh oh, look who it is. Look at this guy. Super Gremlins equals Seminoles. <laughs> Dang, hit a new octave on Juan. Yeah, Five bro. Bucks and... I like your brother better, dude. That's, That's why. Okay. He's a, he's way funnier. He's way better, yeah. Red, too. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. He's less abrasive. Shout out, Chungus. Thanks, Pook. Yeah, shout out for the fourth Chungus. He's gonna, he's gonna take that off your payroll later, dude. It's like remember the, the four ninety nine. <laughs> yeah. So here are some other forts. Um also I think is it De Leon's house too, bro, is is a certain type of style. Is Mediterranean. Is it? I think they call it the, like La Casa Blanca, the White House. Oh, hey, so I was wrong. There is like a Starport, Starport. I could have swore there was. Puerto Rico, yeah. I spoke too soon. It's just not the most famous one. And it's not next to water. Hmm. Or actually, it's pretty close to water. So Fake news again. Yeah, they're all close to water. Almost always. It's not that close to water, though. So yeah, Ponce de Leon's Casa Blanca is kind of like it's not like a fort. I mean, it's very I don't know what style you would consider that, bro. But it's one of the oldest houses in Puerto Rico. Mm. (laughs) 
Yeah, from the 16th well, century. That's wild. So, here. Oh, there's another good aerial. Smart good. What's the name on that one? Fort Conde de Mirasol. Or is that Mirasol, like looking at the sun? Yeah. View of the sun? Like, yeah, Mirasol, yeah. So it's like sun gazer, sun looker. Ooh, nice. Um, I don't think I've ever heard you talk about this. What's the significance of Star Fort, bro? What's your take on it? Now, people always point to kill zones. Now, I'm behind it. It's their cymatically designed. You can't. Some of them are so intricately designed, intricately designed that you'd never think this is this is designed for the um, destroying of life, like for bloodshed. Yet. When you do the math, when you do look at the kill zones, the starport produces the least uh, safe zones, meaning you can kill as many attackers as you as you can see, and the starport allows you to see them all. There's no blind spots around the fort. Now, is that true for almost all the starports? It is true. However, that doesn't throw out all the cymatic influence and the cymatic uh the sacred geometry behind them because it's not just like this one yeah it looks pretty crude and and simple at the top of the top of the hill but some of them uh branch out into extremely extremely complex here like to search probably one of the ones like belgium or something Oof. I mean, what are they planning on getting assaulted by like a <laughs> uh, hundred canoes, you know, or that's like, wild, man. It's uh it's kind of absurd. And then you see how some of the cities are so large that the buildings will just start bleeding bleeding over the walls. Like the city they're not contained and they'll bleed out outside and then you'll lose the original shape. However, hundreds of years later, you'll see, you can zoom up from the city and you can still see the original shape of the walls, even if so much stuff has been built over it. But blah, blah, blah. What, what happens is with the kill zone theory, when, when you're dealing with such long, like some of these, some of these star cities are, these bastions are so wide. Oh, this one's one of my favorites. Okay, these bastions are so long, so wide. That's what she said. The the prods to to this ninja star are so long where it doesn't make sense that that they'd actually be getting approached by attackers and just funneling them into the kill zones. Even though it is correct, it's geometrically correct, it's, it's just they're so far off that no enemy would actually, you know, funnel themselves into the kill zones this far away, seeing clearly what they're designed to do. And stick that in your that, phonetic, your phonetic pipe and smoke. A kill zone equals cow zone. <laughs> now, with that, why I'm talking about the kill zones is the same way that I talk about the old fertility system, the infantry system the 
baby making, how all, you know, we, we devote countries today at Will America devotes all like most of our resources and money or not most, but a huge portion, if not a majority of our money to bloodshed, like war making the industries behind war. Check out Fort Fort Lange. Okay. Chungus has, has spoken. Yeah, that's Whoa. a nice one. Yeah. That's almost like mimicking. I don't know if you've ever heard of, of I think it's got to do with Tycho Brahe. Uh, Chungus is going to know who I'm talking about. But the he traced the rotation. Again, I know some people think space is fake and gay, but there's these certain shapes that these planets, their orbits make, and it kind of sort of looks like that. Like kind of like a lotus. What I was saying about the um, about the kill zones is it just might be the case that the shape, some of the shapes most most uh, geared towards taking life, like a star fort like this, where there's no places to hide, meaning there's no um, there's no. Uh, um, I just see a connection to, like I was saying with the infantry, where all armed forces, military, etc., was all geared towards creating beautiful people, new, intelligent, stronger, taller, whatever. They didn't settle for less, and they had pride in who they were. So, infantry, just like you have the infantry, your foot soldiers, this is all having to do with children being born, it got flipped. It got flipped on its head, meaning all the ranks and all these things, which all had to do with, with ultimately lovemaking and producing babies. This got flipped, and now every rank, every tactic, um, assault, ambush, okay, these are all kind of uh, lewd or... Um, I can get into the whole list, but everything from the weaponry to the tactics, everything about military goes back to fertility and the creation of children. Here. Okay, mine unveiled. This gets into the um, this gets into the uh, shit. I forgot what I was going to say, but whatever. So. All war making was originally love making. And where do we get this? Military. What does mill litter mean? A, a litter mill or puppy mill, you know, place that pumps out children. Mill is, a, right, you could say a factory or a, or a, a way of, um, you know, producing things rapidly. Then you have litter, which is a offspring, right? And then you have, so that's the military, litter mill, and edged weaponry, spear, sperm, spirit, arrow, that's eros, meaning love, erotic, love, erotic, goes back to eros, that's the eros, Cupid's eros of love, shaft, that one's evident, fletcher, is the flesher, 
the person who strips the feather, who ties the feathers onto the arrow, it's the Fletcher, the Flesher. Okay, quiver. If you put your arrow in, in your quiver, okay, well, I can think of another instance where someone quit, something quivers after having an arrow oh. put into it. Uh, <laughs> so that's the only other place you'll hear the word quiver, kind of, unless someone's really afraid. You don't really quiver in fear, you quiver in, um, well, lust or or whatever. So uh, the reason I'm going on about these military terms, it, it shows how even though there is a military use to this fort, doesn't deny that it probably came out of something way more geared towards the creation and preserving of life originally. I'll go on with the list since it's fun. Um, axe. That one's a little bit of a stretch, but a cutlass, a cutlass, a cutlass, cuddle, ass, cutlass, a rapier, <laughs> rapier, raper, rapier, a bayonet. What's up, bay? <laughs> that one's a, that one's. I'm having fun with these two. Or would you say cuddle ass? Is that what you were saying? Cutlass. A cut cutlass. Yeah. Like cuddling Cut booty this. cheeks? Is that what you're trying to get on? Yeah, it's a type of sword. Uh, artillery. That's artillery. Tilling with the heart, right? Tilling with the heart. Ballistic. Something that shoots ball. Ballistic. Come on, guys. Okay, cannon. Oh, she had big cannons. Oh, huge cannons she walked in. Uh, pistol. Well, not to be crude or lewd, guys, but pissed. Battery. Um, well, you might get charged with that with battery. <laughs> Assault, ass, halt. Right, ambush. Let's get some bush. Oh, did I lose? Well, maybe this isn't the channel for you, sweetie. Go, uh, go check out Archaics, maybe, or or something. Sorry, no, 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 no. This again. I- I've, this is the first time I'm ever hearing this, bro. So this is news to me. Again, I'm trying is to be open-minded. Combat, the combat, <laughs> booby trap, the foxhole, protection, sir, ender, mission, emission, right? Phalanx formations. That's a phallus. Phalanx. Okay. Castle. Take away the sea people. Military ranks, foot soldier. This is where we see that was lovemaking. Now we get to now we get to the um, um, ranks, and you'll see the creation of children. Now this isn't just the lewd sex perversion stuff. This is actually children being born, and you know they took pride in the lovemaking too, because you don't want shameful lovemaking that creates shameful people, right? So, and we're not saying pride here, like pride, like South Florida pride. We're saying, um, you know, we're, we're saying proud, like proud to be alive, not not pride, pride. But blah blah blah. Getting into the ranks. I hope this all demonstrates how forts have both military and fertility, fertility, healing. So they're also used to treat water too, right, Longo? They they got like these things yes. in the walls where they can treat the water. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. Well, how are humans supposed to be born in the water? So mm-hmm. we'll get into the energy. Of course, the energy 
that's not my forte at all. I don't know the uh, proud versus prude, a good one, old world knickknack. But um, also, if you prod something, that's, you know, prod. Don't want to get prodded. Seaman, yeah, that's the Navy. We'll get into the get into the Navy here. Foot soldiers. When a child is born, no one can, no one in America can told, tell you where foot soldier comes from. No one in Europe can tell you where foot soldier comes from. Right? They can try. They can say, oh, they can point to this. Oh, it comes from that. They, their boots, their boots were wet. And whatever the story is, I don't care. You have the foot soldier, soul dyer. When a child is born. The soles of the feet are dyed upon paper. We still do this today. We've been doing this for a long time. The soles of the feet are dyed, right, Juan? You had kids, right? You've you've seen. I prefer to call them homunculi, but yes. <laughs> Your doctor took a foot stamp, right? Whether it, sometimes it's on right on the birth certificate itself, sometimes it's on the doctor's record for the hospital, but. They do that because your your fingerprints are not formed enough to make an impression. I think uh, I don't remember exactly for sure, but it's the symbol of life. Why? Because your soul is in the feet, mm-hmm. the soles of your feet. So they print your soul. They take your soul. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing. There was a flip. There was a corporation set up where it made it bad. But your souls are supposed to be on your feet. They were supposed to be dyed. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't die. You die from the time you're born. You're born to die, but whatever. The soles of your feet were dyed, like your Blackfoot Indians, right? Blah, blah, blah. But soles of the feet died and placed on paper. That is the foot soul dyer. Her, mm. the, the lowest rank in the army is the, oh, I'm, I don't get to have... I don't get to make love to the pretty women or I don't get to, you know, work out and, and, you know, show that I'm like worth, worth, uh, worth, um, reproducing. I just have to die the, this, uh, <laughs> real quick because Longo, die I, the souls. you mentioned the corporation and right. The corporation when you become a corporation, I've heard about this before. I'm not too familiar with it, but a corporation is literally legally authorized into the artificial person created by law from group or succession of persons. Mm-hmm. So that's the etymology mm-hmm. of corporation. Obviously you have corpus body, dead body, animal body, a whole composed of united parts. It's like a Frankenstein and you become a corporation. Once you take that, certificate right and and you're mm-hmm. they have your soul how you're saying they literally have your soul on on paper mm-hmm. right we can stay on that one i think that applies okay let's stay on that page um i just want to drill this point home because i don't like to bring it up want to drill it home dude no. yeah i need to make sure that i make my point here bring it to a strong hard point <laughs> but uh foot soldier that's the lowest rank you can get it's like oh man i'm just dying this feet of the babies that come out you know yes commander you have your fire manders you have your air mancers water manders and you have your yes <laughs> bro i'm bringing these up because i think they're hilarious and you just keep like you 
riff. <laughs> you just riff. Oh, off. it's true. <laughs> no, watch it. Watch it. Listen, you, yes, it's hilarious. I have fun reading these too, but listen. Sergeant. Well, I'll start from the bottom. Foot soldier. Okay. They only get funnier. Private. Privates. At attention, please. Erect. Privates. Yeah. Okay. Lance corporal. You know what a corporal is, right? It, it mean, or a corporal means of the body, flesh, mm-hmm. like corporation, of the flesh, of the cadaver, of the body. Lance is a spear. A lance is something you thrust, a spear or a javelin uh, you throw or, or thrust. So what is a corporal lance or a lance made of corporal? That's a meat spear. Yeah, nice. <laughs> it's, a fancy, it's a fancy way of saying meat spear. So, then you have your sergeant who is either your, he's donating his genes, he's a surrogate, or he's a gene, a sir with his genes, who's donating his genes. So either, either a surgeon, a surgeon, or a surrogate, the sergeant. That one's a little bit of a stretch. But when we look at staff sergeant, it is no longer much of a stretch, is it? The staff sergeant. Okay. Yeah, that could be the caduceus. That could be the penis. That could be a staff of the nimrod, the rod. It could be a whole slew of things. We'll talk about it another time. Officer. Well, that's this is a little bit of a stretch, but orifice, orifice, or orifice, that is a stretch, admittedly. Lieutenant, this one is no stretch. This is the man whose job it is to tend the loo. He's tending the loo, meaning whatever business we're talking about is kind of private, right? It would be either behind the bedroom door or behind the bathroom door. So this is the man tending the loo, the loo. Tenant. He's either tending or he's a tenant, meaning he's inside using the loo, the bathroom. Um, commander, we talked about, and here's where it gets funny. Admiral. If you're an admiral, you are the one who's judging the physical and and um, the physical strength and beauty of the people who are willing to, you know, give their genes to. Uh, make healthy people because you have have to sift the people you have to admire them and see if they're um, beautiful strong right by the way this is not eugenics this is anti-eugenics this is like you know the best best people mate with each other for the sake of everyone and no one else is restricted or anything but blah 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 we'll talk about another time what what do you call this longo like the fertility system is what I'm calling it, but the box saga is where I'm drawing some of this from. I'm filling in a lot of blanks, but this comes from the Bach saga. The cock saga, so, nice. Bach saga, the empire have come. <laughs> um, admiral, Oops. the admirer of physical beauty, right? Admirer of physical beauty. Now, is that a stretch? Maybe. Well, what what do you think the rear admiral is doing? <laughs> he's he's observing from behind, and he's saying, "Okay, good to go back here." Give me a good cough, bro. The vice admiral. Who knows what a vice is? Vice means yes, yeah, sex, drugs. But if you're caught in a vice grip, that means you're stuck between the woman's legs. Nice okay. vice. So, right, 
or if something's visceral or there's, uh, you know, um, there's connections there. But Navy, if we're getting into the Navy, if something's nautical, that means it has to do with the birthing of children, natal. Naval is, is if something's naval, the Navy, the naval is the, um, the naval is, that's a, funny one using sexualized lingo is the only way to keep it kind of but that that's that makes a lot of sense because right it does make sense but it's not intentional it's not intentional it's been around way longer than people's minds have been that dirty and yes people's minds have always been dirty but that's disgusting sadie but I mean, because it's talking to like a more of a primal area of the right, of the people of the semen, if you will. It's talking like deeper and a more subconscious level well, of the sexual. Because I mean, we're yeah, here but it's to not all sexual. So many of those are not inherently sexual. Like the lieutenant is just someone in the bathroom. Um, nautical or navel just means the navel chakra, the navy. Mm. where water births would come would come out of where um the navel chakra is the where the baby is tethered under mm-hmm. the belly button and that's the navel chakra so the orange chakra that's why navel oranges are orange navel gazing was when greeks would stare at their own belly button but uh whatever nautical natal Navy, navel, meaning sex-related. So the navel chakra is the chakra associated with uh, procreative sex. And That's really fascinating. So, okay. so we went through all the military. I could go through a million more weapons and stuff like that. but Premature ejaculation, really... dishonorable discharge. <laughs> That's funny. Dishonorable. Yeah, that's probably. But um, since we've gone through that and shown almost every facet of military culture to originally answer this one, though. Answer this one. Sure. Well, Sagittarius rules the hips and the thighs and the outer, the outer butt. Like a horse, the horse, Sagittarius rules the horse, okay? The horse is the animal with the big butt. In the round, but <laughs> you scared me, bro. <laughs> Fucking big ass, big ass beetle just. It's sent by the CIA, brother. They don't want they don't want the people to know about the the booty, the pirate booty. Excuse me. Look so at this Sag- dude's freaking profile picture, bro. <laughs> Sagittarius women often have the biggest butt. Eight. So Scor- Scorpio rules everything that would be covered by a thong. If that makes sense, Sagittarius rules everything outside of of a you know the G string, so to speak. Um, and we're at the end of the show here, so we can be a little bit more lewd. But the Sagittarius rules the hips and the thighs, so the outside, like the glutes on the outside, right? So they call it booty because Sagittarius rules treasure, mm-hmm. abundance. And literally, like finding treasure, is is the ninth house or Sagittarius 
which is Jupiter, the abundant, the fortune, completely, um, uh, you know, Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter. It's considered the luckiest sign. It's considered the uh, sign that rules like jackpot, like, oh my God, a million dollars out of nowhere. So booty goes back to that part of the area, which tends to be a large kind of expansive part of the area and abundant and abundant people. Um, the Greeks, you know, showed represented abundance by people with kind of rounder hips, not fat, but rounder hips. They weren't skinny. And so the hips represent abundance. And so do the thighs. The thighs also go back to Sagittarius, which is the thunder god, thunder, thighs. That's Sagittarius too. Sagittarius rules thunderstorms. So back to the boo T. B T are the two runes associated with Sagittarius. The two runes associated with Sagittarius. So B T B T Boo T Tampa Bay B T <laughs> Tom Brady. Right? Sagittarius, Archer, throwing. The big stretches, but Leaps, not stretches, just leaps. Just leaps. That's crazy, bro. I never thought we but booty represents it's bounty, it's the same thing. Sagittarius rule bounty hunters too. Booty, bounty, um bitta in German, B T Bitta means uh means thank you. And you'll you'll see them uh text that B T like like L M A O laughing my ass off you know mm -hmm. they'll text each other they'll acronym it bt bitta which means thanks gratitude bitta or sorry please it means please but in the hopes of you know it's it's gratitude too but you're saying please bitta can i please have that so bitta which is bt also talks indicates abundance a lot so these sounds go back to sagittarius the b and the t ba ta so if there's anyone on YouTube that can talk, teach you as much from a garbage comment, a garbage <laughs> comment, than me. Show me, show me them, you know. Oh, and that's, I wasn't just pulling that out of nowhere. That's true. Go look up the runes for Sagittarius. They're Birkanon and Tiwas. Those are the two runes for Sagittarius, the B and the T. So T-B, Tampa Bay, that's the pirate capital of the world. Booty, BT, right. Something's, uh, all right, I made my point. No, nah, bro, fascinating, dude. I love when you go on these these rants that you do with the languages and stretching of orifices and whatnot. Mm -hmm. It's great. Stretch the stretching of orifices. Yeah. Is that what you said? No pun intended. But... Yeah, but all right. So you ready to leave it off here? Yeah, we've been going almost four hours, so mm -hmm. had a, had a great time, Longo. Shall yeah, man. All so, right, we got into all of it tonight. I'm eight followers away from twelve thousand six hundred, so I could get eight more followers, please. Would you please Guys, spare some followers, good go sir? Subscribe. Guys, donate to the Puerto Ricans. 
Okay, show your uh, go go subscribe to Juan, one on one TJOJP. Yes, please. Okay. This is great. Bias ish. We'll do it again. We'll talk about another Caribbean place soon. And y'all stay tuned. We've got Juan and I are have a Jekyll Island special coming up soon. It's going to be talking about. Not a special. It's going to be a video, so I'll be live presentation, talking about the Tamukua presence in Jekyll Island, the creation of the Federal Reserve, the sinking of the Titanic, and you know Robert Sepper did a video about this, but we're going to go a lot more into depth. And yeah, we actually, I actually went there, so I've got some video. And Juan on Juan <laughs> podcast. Thank you. The gay channel is called One on One Podcast. Yeah. yeah, dude, this is awesome, bro. I had a lot of fun, covered a lot of great stuff, and like I said, we left plenty on the table. There's a lot of stuff we didn't talk about, but we can always visit it and make it into a series. And yeah, it was awesome. Thanks, dude. Shalom, yeah, man. All right, everyone. Good night out there. Do the wave. Do the wave, Longo. Just do the wave. Do the wave for the people. Do the wave. There you go. Sub to Fabio's OnlyFans. <laughs> Thanks, Pancho. Appreciate it. Night, night, everyone. Bye, everybody. Stay safe.